Good evening and welcome to LL Fumar Takes. This is our 156th take live from the Lone Star Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley Studios of Euless, Texas. I'm your host, Barrett Blissey, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. This is going to be a sensational show, fantastic show, on the second greatest holiday of our country, right? No agreements, no disagreements. Well, it's my show. I can say what I want. Anyway, I'm so proud. I'm so proud. So pleased. I'm just so excited for everyone to be here tonight. I'm so excited for this show. This guest is someone that I've been wanting to get on the show for a while. And uh, just because I think he's got a sensational story to tell. One may say that it's epic. It's a little on the nose, but we're rolling with it anyway. But before we get to formal introductions, we do have to thank the people that make this show possible. And that, of course, is our sponsors. And tonight's show is sponsored by Drew Estate. Drew Estate announced... Back in December, the launch of Liga Pravada Unico Siri Bauhaus, an exclusive release for the European market. The basic tenet of the Bauhaus architectural movement is that every object must have a purpose in design. This specific Liga is done in a short Robusto format that is wrapped in a rich, earthy Connecticut broadleaf kappa, includes a bold Brazilian binder, and is completed using filler tobaccos from Honduras and Nicaragua. We're all praying that COVID ends very soon so we can get across the pond to try out the new Liga Pravada Siri Bauhaus made exclusively for the European market. Tonight's show is also sponsored by Oveja Negra Brands, four unique companies who share a passion to provide innovative cigars for the next generation of cigar enthusiasts. Black Label Trading Company, Blackwork Studio, Dissonant, and Emilio are combining premium tobaccos with an artisanal touch. Oveja Negra, where art and tobacco collide. Join the flock and visit ovejanegracigars.com to learn more. And welcome, everybody. It's Super Bowl Sunday. The big game has been decided, but most importantly, it is 9.30 Central, 10.30 Eastern, and it's time for another take. And we are so excited to welcome in tonight's guest of honor, sponsored by United Cigars, Smoke One Today, and Start Living United, Mr. Dean Parsons, Epic Cigars. Dean, how are we doing tonight? <laughs> I'm doing great, Bear. Thanks so much for having me. Happy Sunday. As you said, big Super Bowl uh, day, and congratulations uh, to the Tampa Bay Bucks and Tom Brady. I'm sure they're going to be celebrating in uh, Tampa Bay tonight with uh, Frankowski and everybody else. So it's an awesome, awesome afternoon. And uh, but this is a great way to spend the cap off the evening and uh, have a cigar and uh, and chat. So thanks again for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure, Dean. Uh, absolutely, my pleasure. I'm I'm so excited to uh, I'm so, so so excited to sit down with you. I think. This is one uh, one of the one of the most excited takes that I've had for a while, just because uh, not only am I intrigued by a lot of your story personally, but I think it's it's a story that I, I don't think you know. I think it could, it needs to continue to get shared and get shared because I think it's I think it's just one of um, <laughs> we're going to do this a lot tonight. Epic proportions, um, and it's just um, it's something that I've uh, you know. I've just been fascinated. I think I've, I've, I've read a few articles about you and I've, I've, I've listened to more than a few interviews that you've done in the past. And um, I think every time, and, and this is true of a lot of people, but I think every time that I hear you talk about the story and everything, um, I, I pick up something new and different that is just kind of adds to the, um, just kind of adds to the, the legend, I guess you could say, which is, which is, which is pretty crazy. So um uh, first things first, Dean. I, I kind of want to get started. Um, I normally, I normally uh, have uh, this kind of picked out and everything, but uh, I, I have. I'm staring at five beautiful cigars uh, gifted to you, gifted to me by you. Excuse me. 
uh, and I would like you to pick my cigar tonight. So um, <laughs> um, I have the Epic 10 Maduro, the Epic Corojo, the Epic Cabano, and the La Rubia. Uh, and so I would, I, would, I would love for you to pick my cigar tonight. I, I think you got to go with, uh, with the Epic 10. That's, uh, that's the one I'm heading with. It's you know, obviously the, the newest cigar that uh, we started shipping just before the holidays and a uh, fantastic uh, blend collaboration with AJ Fernandez and uh, being Super Bowl Sunday. Why not uh, go to the top of the pile and, uh, and see what you think? I'm curious to get your feedback on that as well and I uh, hope you enjoy it. Well, um, so here's 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 a fun fact. Um, so I haven't smoked this cigar. Um, I have smoked. I was. I'm. I'm actually glad you didn't pick the Maduro, because uh, I've had that cigar and I absolutely. I, I love it. I, I I love the blend. I know we're gonna dive into it later, um, but I was like, I there are a couple cigars in here that I have not had, and I was like, um, you know, instead of saying just leaving out the Maduro, I wanted the choice and I wanted to give you the choice and just you know, oh, it's not like I was gonna be disappointed, you know, because I really. I really love that cigar, but uh, um, so the Epic Ten, um, I'm I'm really excited to light this up. And you said you've got it as well. So this was a this is a complete departure from uh, from what you know your entire you know history has been in uh, in building Epic. You know you went to a completely different factory, uh, one of the hottest factories in the world, if not the hottest, right? AJ Fernandez. I mean he's been cranking out some incredible cigars, but. Uh, um, why don't you enlighten us on what led to the collaboration and the pretty unique tobaccos in this as well? Yeah, well, it was um, obviously, you know, uh, to have the opportunity to work with, with AJ and uh, anything out of his factory or to, to be able to put his name, uh, associate his name with, uh, with our brand was, was a bucket list thing for me. And um, the conversation started with AJ, um, right around the same time that we had been epic was acquired by by xander greg nasico brands so you know the end of 2018 early 2019 uh, arthur uh, the owner of xander greg started discussions with aj and uh you know we kind of pushed forward with with uh, with several different test blends that he sent out to us and uh, i didn't actually get to nicaragua to work on this cigar um but we were very happy with uh, with obviously the, the variations that he sent, and we quickly came to a to a consensus on uh, you know obviously the Cameroon is something uh, that I hadn't worked with as far as wrapper and um, you know and obviously fillers and binders from Nicaragua, but it just this cigar really stood out and and even I didn't get to smoke it even in a box press format until until the uh, the boxes arrived. Uh, you know, in December of this year. So the, all the test blends were, were, you know, basically just a, a you know, a Toro version of a cigar. It wasn't, wasn't the box press like we see now and we're smoking now. So, and it, it really, it adds to me to the, to the whole experience uh, with the cigar and the elegance of it. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's uh, been exciting. Um, and as I said, we're just getting started. We just started shipping out to retailers uh, before the holidays. And we're still shipping out. Uh, it's only a thousand boxes, uh, all all signed certificates inside, all numbered boxes that match the certificates on the outside, and uh, just a uh, thousand, yeah, thousand boxes. And we in the U.S. we actually only uh, have 790 because we shipped 150 to Germany uh, to the client, all the family that's our distributor there, and we shipped 50 boxes to uh, 
boutique smokes uh, uh, Mike Choi in the UK. So the remaining boxes are here in uh, in the US, and uh, we've we've got a few hundred, I think, left in our inventory. Uh, but the majority of them have been shipped out, so uh, it's, it's exciting, and the response has been awesome. So um, yeah, I was just going to say, I know you're I know you're really big in Germany. Um, I know it's it's. Um, I mean, is, is, you know, the U.S. is still like, is, is the, as they always say, is the predominant uh, cigar market in the world, like overall. Is that true of Epic or, you know, I've, cause I've heard you, you know, I've, I've heard you share before that, uh, I mean, it's just really taken off in Germany. Yeah. We, at one time we've, we probably, uh, and this is going back to probably 2015 uh, and 16, we, we have, I think, more retailers in, in Germany <laughs> at one point than we had. Uh, you know, in South Florida and different places in the U.S., but now, I mean, obviously we've, we've grown uh, a lot since that time, and and of course the U.S. is is, is our biggest market and and the one we focus on the most. But we've we've got several hundred retailers in Germany and uh, a great relationship, obviously, with the client. All those who represent, you know, other brands like Gurkha and Christoph, and um, they're just great people. They've been in tobacco over a hundred years and, and their family and their distribution side of the business and um, just awesome people to work with. And they've really sort of taken Epic on as, as their own brand. And, and they really, uh, we've got a lot of great support from, uh, you know, customers and followers. It's just awesome uh, to experience that. And I've been probably four times down to Germany since 2015 and, done tours and and just the the people the the just the culture is alive and well and, and growing uh, so much history and and just i love getting over there every time and spending you know two or three weeks and, and spending time with people and smoking and and touring so much history you know my wife my wife is german and uh one of the most fun fun trips I've ever taken was a few years ago, just before our oldest was born uh, to Germany. And uh, I just, you're absolutely right. I mean, just uh, wonderful, rich history, um, wonderful people. Um, yeah. And I mean, and everywhere you go, people are offering you a beer. I mean, how could you, how could you hate that? Right. Um, it was. Yeah, it's it's a lot of drying out when I usually get back from the, these trips to Germany because <laughs> you, you, they they don't take no as an answer when you when you go into these shops at eight or nine o'clock and ten o'clock in the morning and uh, the the beer is flowing and the, and then that's followed by whiskeys and bourbons and you name it so it's uh, yeah it's, it's a lot of work. <laughs> so. so my um, a lot of my audience knows this, Dean, but you 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 may not know. Uh, I'm allergic to chocolate actually. Um, and, uh, um, <laughs> uh, we were at, uh, the, the famous, uh, Christmas market in Nuremberg, uh, you know, uh, when we went on our trip yeah. and, uh, was, we were at one of the, uh, one of the vendors and, uh, she, uh, one of the, the, presumably the proprietor offered me something. I was like, I'm sorry, I'm, you know, allergic to chocolate. And I, I it was like, I killed her son, you know? I, she was just she was heartbroken it was it was i mean it was just it was almost she was in pain it was it was it was comical and uh and and, and hilarious but yeah they don't they don't take they don't take uh they don't take no for an answer um no. it's it's crazy it's it's a really 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 fun time really encourage anyone to, to head out there and and uh they they have uh they're really heavy on epic cigars so uh really really awesome there um you know i'm i'm i lit this up 
Dean, and and I've got to say, just kind of looking at the the wrapper, you know, you got the the quintessential Cameroon, uh, you know, what they call freckles all around it. Uh, not a terribly oily cigar, but but really pristine looking. Um, you know, just gorgeous wrapper. I lit this up. The the spice is just you know really just kind of coats the palate. Um, not like harsh spice, not like black pepper. There's some of that mm-hmm. there. Don't get me wrong, but um, but it's just uh, it's just kind of really kind of hits you right off the get. Like this this this, this is not a warm up cigar. This doesn't warm. This doesn't this doesn't take any warm up time, does it? No, you're you're right into it. Yeah, and no, I, I appreciate the feedback. I've only actually smoked. It's probably my fourth or fifth one. Um, so I'm still kind of going through the motions of of finding the nuances of it and uh, and appreciating it more and more every time every time I smoke it so so uh, one of the things I wanted to hit off right off the bat here Dean is you know I I I love the story about the name Epic Cigars I think it's I think it's it it has has some comedy to it but like how on earth did you get this did you get the name because in a day and age like the you know for anyone who's been spending more than five seconds in this business they know that there's a cigar with every kind of name uh and if you want to you know have some spanish in your name good luck because they've they've all been taken um how was a name like epic still available when you started um you know this was uh, back in uh when did you trademark it oh nine or 2010 well it was nine i think in nine i got sort of epiccigars.com and it was in 2010 that I actually submitted the, the trademark process uh, for the name and so we actually had it we actually had the official trademark it was late 2011 or early 2012 and we actually had it in our hand I had you know obviously had cigars in the market at that time but um, and it was right around the same time when um, Monte Cristo came out with the epic so the timing was uh, was was essential and uh but then i mean it was just the name was available i i i was googling names looking for cigar names because i had had a previous cigar uh, in turks and caicos we did a uh, it was called a turk select turk select right that yeah they launched in uh like 2007 and um after i left turks and caicos i lived there from 05 to 09 um i really wanted to i was sort of just i'd gotten a taste of what it was like to be in the cigar business and, and having this sort of cool boutique cigar for Turks and Caicos. And I really wanted to kind of take, take my knowledge and take the, the brand opportunity into, into, you know, sort of international next level. And uh, so I just started Googling names and a friend of mine has this kite, kiteboarding company, which is a sport I took up in Turks and Caicos and continued to still continue to do today. But, uh, a company called Epic Kiteboarding and, uh, I just was sitting on the beach Googling names and I said, damn, I wonder if Epic Cigars is available. And it was. And, and then obviously, you know, when I filed the trademark, it was hadn't been trademarked, it was available. Um, yeah, and the rest is history. And we've, we've had a few challenges over the years, uh, but we've, we've come out on top of all those uh, challenges because we, we took the, I took the right steps, not knowing even then what I know now. Um, so I'm certainly blessed because we probably wouldn't be in the market with an epic cigar had I not taken those steps back when I did. So, oh yeah, no, no way it lasts ten years. Well, cl- clearly, right? You led me into my next question, right? So, so Monte Cristo comes out with the epic, and 
I know, I know you, you, you all came to a, co- a coexistence agreement, mm-hmm. which yeah. I, I have to say, Dean, that you, you, you automatically from that story, you have to be the most likable person on earth because I mean, this, this, I mean, don't get me wrong. This industry is froth with great relationships. I mean, that's what this industry is all about and everything. But when it comes to names, that's when people get a little bit nasty and they, they, they turn a little bit of a different, they turn a little bit, of, that's a horse of a different color as, as they would say, but and that's yeah. and I mean we've seen I mean stuff that's not even close. I, I'm not na- naming names, but like two names that are like they're sort of related, but they're not even the exact. They're not even close to being the exact same thing. And there's there's pissing matches over that. I mean this is the same name. Um, I mean so I mean because I, I I, most of the time we hear about the the quote unquote pissing matches. Like how did that how did that come about? Did did they approach you? Did you approach them about the name to let them know that? Hey, you know, we've got, we've got a, we've got some kind of issue here. Or like, how did that come about? Well, the funny thing is, is a good friend of mine was actually working for Altidus uh, in the Dominican Republic. And he sent me a picture of the, one of the first Monte Cristo epics that came off the line uh, before the, it even hit the, hit the shelves or maybe even left, left the Dominican. And he said, Hey, do you text me? He said, Hey, do you know anything about this? And I see this picture and I'm like, you got to be joking. And uh, so, you know, I immediately went into panic mode and uh, called actually a good friend of mine and uh, John Starks, who used to play with the Knicks. Um, John makes cigars out of our factory in the Dominican as well. And I met John in my Turks and Caicos days. He actually came down uh, for uh, the launch of my Turks and Caicos cigar. So we became friends, uh, did a lot of golfing together in the Dominican and spending time and so through another friend of john's who we had met in the dominican they uh, he works for a fairly prestigious law firm out of new york and they agreed to uh to send a courtesy letter on my behalf uh over and then that kind of got the ball rolling and uh they 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 took us they took me seriously um and yeah it took probably six eight weeks and we came to a came to an agreement and um yeah, at the time it was it was it was the right decision, and uh, and just was fortunate that I got some great advice from from some people that uh, didn't cost me too much. But once again, cigars that that happens in the cigar world. You get people that uh, you build those relationships over time, and uh, and people are uh, more than more than willing to help a lot of times if, uh, if they think your your heart's in the right place or your your intentions are good. I mean, just. When I uh, when I first heard that, I was like, this this is this is this is kind of goes into the whole story because I mean you have and we're gonna get into we're gonna get into the the journey. I'm not I'm gonna try not to use the word epic as much, but I mean it really is it really is a saga to to choose another cigar name, right? Um, it really your story really is 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 kind of one of uh, of you know you know you know ups and downs and twists and turns and just a long road that it's taken to get to where you where you are today and i mean here we are smoking the 10 celebrating you know 10 plus years in the business i mean that's you know it's you know fantastic um you know when you when you googled the name on because you did this on the beach right this is this is the story right you did this on a beach when you Googled the name and you saw that it was available and I know you bought the name like you bought the web right there the domain right then mm-hmm. 
was there kind of an under because at that point i mean this was still 10 years ago and there's still there were still some peaks and valleys to to happen but i mean you had had a great story up until that point was that was there kind of an underlying feeling of this is fitting it it, it was and and more than that a bear i think it was i knew i really had something because i think in the in the cigar industry you have to kind of you know, make or navigate your way, but you, you want something special. You want a name, something that's catchy, something that's easy, something that's simple to say, but an epic, I mean, it's the hardest part of epic is living up to the, the expectations of the name. You know, you talk about epic history, epic poems, you know, and so we're, we're sort of writing that story as we go. And, and to be honest, I think, you know, we're really just getting started and, um, you know, you look at some of the leaders in the industry that have been around for 20, 30, 100 years, and, you know, nothing happens overnight. So 10 years in this business, there have been a lot of ups and downs, but it's it seems like it's just, it's been super quick. Now, uh, before we get into tonight's major point, a uh, quick question. So I know you've got, you're, 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 you're pretty regionally popular, although you all are all over the United States. Uh, Jay was talking about how, Jay Davis of, of Blue Smoke was telling us how you're going to be hosting an event here uh, at the end of the month here at, at his store. Um, but we have some uh, requests for New England. Uh, I know you're big in Jersey and Pennsylvania, um, but uh, any place in New England, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, any of the surrounding states up there where people can get uh, your cigars? Not right now. Not right now. I have several shops coming online in the spring, uh, New Hampshire um, and New England areas. But yeah, right now we're, we're, we're we've been a little bit scarce up in that area. And obviously with COVID, I haven't been able to get up there. I had trips planned uh, last spring, but obviously that didn't happen. So um, we're, we're hoping to, to make that happen this spring. And uh, we've grown a lot, you know, the Baltimore, Washington area, and we're sort of just working our way north, but we're, we're going to get there. Well, terrific. And that leads us into tonight's major point, which of course is always brought to you by Baracoa Cigar Company. Uh, Baracoa is back. It's getting ready for the relaunch of the voyage this month. I actually personally can't wait for the cigar to come back. It's, it's been over three years, and but now with a revamped blend coming out of one of the hottest factories in the industry, Danny Vasquez promises if you like the original blend, you're going to love the relaunch. So stay tuned for more details on how you can enjoy the voyage. Never settle, Barracoa Cigar Company. And I know Danny's extra happy tonight because uh, he is a – he actually before, – before this year, and I can attest to this personally, he actually is a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. So um, – Awesome. He is he is uh, he is not watching the show tonight. I can guarantee it. Uh, he's out <laughs> celebrating. So uh, as he should be, I mean, um, what an incredible what an incredible performance by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, we can say we can talk about the greatness of Tom Brady, but I, I the only prediction that came true for me because I actually picked the Chiefs. But the only prediction that came true for me was I said the Buccaneers defense is awesome and they're actually going to hold Mahomes and company to under 30 points. Man, was I right about that. And that's about it. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. And they really did. They, they came through and shined. Um, and it's funny, you know, you look at the last, you know, four or five, six games. And I, I said to a buddy of mine this afternoon, I was watching the game with, I said, you know what? I said, he's, he's going to be going to Gronk more today. And, you know, so those two touchdowns and, uh, and that guy's just awesome as well. And what a, 
I mean, what a cap to uh, to an awesome career so far for those guys. And I, I don't think they're done yet. He he just seems to keep going. I think he's going to make good on his promise. I think he's, he said to 45 years ago. He said he was going to play to 45 years. I don't think I don't think he's going to stop and unless he announced something while we've been on air and, and I missed it. But I just uh, yeah, I, I think he's he's a man of his word and I think he's going to go to age 45 and just do it. Um, I mean, you know, he, I think you're just going to have to pry him off the field with, you know, you know, from his cold, dead fingers, I suppose. But, <laughs> um, I, but you're not too. All, you're you're certainly not unfamiliar with a competitive spirit because you grew up. No, you didn't play football. Um, in fact, I mean, is uh, is I know I know the CFL is incredibly popular up in Canada because that's where you grew up. But um, but I, you know, obviously, the national pastime uh, for your home country is hockey, and uh, you, like many other young men and women. Uh, played the sport, but you played it at an incredibly high level. Um, I mean, talk a little bit about, you know, from, you know, what you know about, you know, American youth sports and how uh, Canadian hockey takes it to a different level and where, and, and to the level that you actually got to. Well, it's, um, it's crazy, you know, growing up, I guess when I was, you know, played hockey from the time I, I could walk, I guess. So, I was skating when I was probably four or five years old and, uh, and came up through, you know, all of the, uh, the levels of, of minor hockey, uh, in Canada. And then, um, when I was 16, uh, I got scouted by at that time, the Laval Titans, which, uh, they were the Quebec major junior team farm team for the, uh, Quebec Nordiques. Um, and so I spent some time in Laval, uh, guys there Gino Ojek was there Desjardins played Montreal later uh the Laval Titans that's where Mario Lemieux set all the Quebec major junior records before he went to Pittsburgh so long-standing history of of uh you know people going right into the NHL I didn't get that far but uh was you know at that high level and and had some opportunities which uh which was just awesome you know at 16 17 years old to to leave home and uh, have an opportunity to go away and and uh, play, you know, semi-professional hockey was, was awesome. And, uh, you know, that my time in hockey and connections that I made through playing hockey led into later in university and then into my policing career. A lot of those sort of hockey relationships added to opportunities, which, you know, I ended up policing for 10 years on the East Coast of Canada as well. So a lot of the guys I worked with were ex-hockey players some of them professionally that went into law enforcement as well so yeah it's uh it's just an awesome uh sort of upbringing and and obviously you know working and uh living in in canada and and growing up in that sort of team concept is is something that uh you know translates into lots of lots of great things in different parts of your life but uh you know the nhl or is very similar, obviously, to the to the NFL and uh, um, Canada's sort of been a leader in, in professional hockey and over the years. And, uh, so it's it's just great. Yeah, it's been. Uh, I don't watch much hockey. Uh, haven't skated in years, but I miss the you know the camaraderie and this uh, you know being on the ice. And I was right up until I moved to Turks and Caicos in 2005. I was still playing hockey two or three times a week uh, in the evenings and, and uh, pick up games uh, at lunchtime when I was policing and stuff. So uh, something I miss for sure. 
pick up hockey games. That's such a foreign concept to me. I grew up in Texas, <laughs> as everyone knows. And hockey's actually become really big down here. Um, youth hockey's actually become really a, a big thing. And um, I mean, I, I'm sure I'm sure if you came down, I'm sure you could still, even though you said you haven't been on skates in years, I'm sure you could still skate circles around um, some of these guys. But it has become something that's that's been a lot bigger. And, I, and, and I'm excited to see that because I'm excited to see, you know, sports that are that for a long time or so regionally you know you know regionally accessible and regionally popular become more popular in different regions like lacrosse is becoming good down here big down here um i really enjoy rugby i love curling now did you ever curl growing up i i mean it was more of a i, I curled probably dozens of times to just just as more of a fun thing, not competitively. Uh, but yeah, it's a big, big sport in Canada. And, and actually Canada's national support sport, sorry, is not hockey. It's actually lacrosse, which is, uh, which a lot of people don't know. The actual official, you know, ca- Canadian sport was lacrosse. I'll be damned. Uh, before hockey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. Um, yeah. the, uh, so uh never played, never played lacrosse. Okay. So, I, I mean, curling is, I, I always say curling is the uh, the northern man's golf because, I mean, it's a sport where you can drink beer and smoke cigars. I mean, it's 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 perfect. I, I mean, it's perfect for our crowd. I don't understand why it's not yeah. more popular. People just think I'm crazy when I'm like, yeah, curling's awesome. It is a blast, a super blast. I, I, I've curled many times and done, you know, fun tournaments over the weekends and things with friends. And yeah, it's a sport that's a lot of fun if you really dive into it a little bit. So you, you mentioned you you mentioned the the Bat Titans that you played for, um, which is a you know from my understanding it's a very prestigious team. So is the next step? I know you went a different route. Obviously, you 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 didn't quite make the cut to go professional. You you went and played at university. Um, uh-huh. But I mean that next step. It's that the next step is the NHL. Yeah. I mean yeah. that's I mean that's triple A. I guess if I'm a baseball guy. Um, yeah, exactly. 100%. That's incredible. I mean, that's, that's awesome. Did you, so yeah. did the, so we, the term in baseball is a cup of coffee, you know, like where you go and, you know, a pro team scout, you maybe even, may even play a game or two in the bigs or something like that, or, or you're kind of on the verge. Um, where did you, I mean, I mean, were any big, big, uh, were any NHL teams looking at you? Did you have any conversations with them about potentially playing no. or? No, not at that time. Um, when I was in Laval and this was in 88, uh, Paul Ambordolo was the coach at that time, and he eventually went on and coached in Montreal uh, for for several years. Um, and that was that was you know pretty cool. But no, didn't didn't get to to uh, to those levels of, of having you know the NHL talks. But uh, certainly got to experience the you know the highest or, um, you know the one of the higher levels as far as you know professional sports and kind of go through that. And, and you know when I think back now, I mean I was probably a little bit unprepared when I got to camp. I was, you know, a little afraid. Uh, I was, you know, I didn't speak French and basically everybody in the locker room did. The coaches did. And, uh, there were a couple other guys from, uh, from the East coast of Canada that, that were scouted as well at the same time. And, uh, so we, we stuck close together and, and sort of navigated our way through the training camps and, and, uh, a lot of the matches and things, but, uh, yeah, it was a time I'll never forget. And, uh, an awesome experience that, that too many people don't get to get the opportunity to, to be part of something like that. 
So from my understanding, you were, a, you were a defenseman growing up, like pretty much all throughout your life. And then you were converted to play wing, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So yeah. Um, that's a, that's a huge shift in, in style. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, do you think, do you, did that, did that help you diversify your play to make you a better all around player? Or do you think that maybe harbored any chances of you going to making it to the next level? probably hurt me more than it helped um and you know even at that time you know i was i was probably 180 pounds and i'm just under six foot uh there were guys a lot bigger than me you know there were guys six one six two six five uh that they you know had on the point or playing defense so i didn't really have have an option to choose when you get <laughs> you get you get to that level i mean years later i mean now i i sit at about 235, 240 is my sort of average weight. Uh, I try to get keep it down around 230 sometimes, but um, I, I sort of grew many years later. I put a lot more weight on in size and obviously trained a lot more. And uh, um, yeah, <laughs> but I was just uh, I was a skinny 18 year old kid at that time. So yeah, we're gonna get into some of your other pastimes, which uh, require you to be. The, the bulked up version that you are now compared to that kid uh, playing some minor league hockey, but uh, awesome. So that led to your time at university. And then you, uh, I guess from my understanding, kind of interned is, is, is probably the inappropriate term, but interned uh, with the, the police department while you were there, uh, which led to your career in policing. Um, what, uh, what kind of drove you to that? Was it, uh, you know, was it a desire to serve? Was it something else attractive about the career in policing that got you? Like, where, where did that come from? It was, I mean, really, I so throughout my unit summers when I was in university, I uh, would get hired by the, the park patrol with the Fredericton police on the, on the east coast of Canada. And Fredericton's a town of about 50,000 people. Um, they had a hundred member police force. And so, so several students would get hired every summer and I was someone that, that got hired, you know, sort of back to back summers and, and got to do a lot of on the job training, uh, ride along, shadowing a lot of these police officers. And uh, they also uh, made me an honorary member of the, the police hockey team. And, and then I eventually moved on to the auxiliary program with the, with the Fredericton police and became a full-time auxiliary member, which you go through a lot of the training that you go through in the academy, not quite at that high level. You, you're not allowed to carry a firearm, but you have to do all the training with your firearms. So, and then that sort of just led into uh, going to the police academy and getting trained. And then, uh, you know, I had the job there waiting for me when I was done. And it kind of, it, when I think back now, it's, you know, it's almost 10 years, but it, it feels like just sort of like a moment in time uh, when, you know, I left in uh, 2000. And, uh, um, you know, that's 15, 16 years ago now. <laughs> so it's, uh, but, and, and it wasn't sort of necessarily, uh, it's just something I sort of fell into is probably the best way to describe it. Okay. And, uh, and through friendships and relationships and through people sort of believing in me and saying, hey, this is something you, you know, you think you'd be good at. Uh, we'd like to send you to the academy and get trained and, and, uh, you know, the future is yours. And then through my 10 years, I, you know, worked uniform patrol for the first couple of years. But then I quickly went into uh, crimes, major crime investigations. I worked in drug section. I was on the uh, on the SWAT team. We had a 10-member SWAT team. 
I rode the the Harley, I did traffic patrol. So I kind of got to diversify in my 10 years over several different, you know, areas and sections within the police force. But um, it's funny, man. And in that eight or nine year period, right around that time, I just, I, I knew I wasn't going to be a cop for 20 years. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I just kind of knew that maybe there was something else out there for me in the back of my mind. And, uh, and it wasn't until I went on a, a vacation to see a buddy of mine in, in Turks and Caicos in 2003. Then I went back there in 04 and then some opportunities started to present themselves and, and then moved there permanently in 2005 with the real estate group. And the rest is history. And, and then 2009, after the market crash, we had, we had already opened up our first hotel and I'd been in real estate there. Um, well, hold that thought, Dean. I want I want to go back to something mm-hmm. real quick. Mm-hmm. SWAT. Sorry, that just that grabbed my attention. So SWAT team. <laughs> so you said there was a ten person SWAT team. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, talk about intensive training. I mean, I mean that did you have to put in a lot of years on the four? I mean, you were in you were you served for ten years. Uh, yeah. Did you have to put a lot? You know, put a few years in, or was that something that you kind of got into right away? I mean, I'm just I'm. No, it was it was the yeah the last four years, and I had actually had applied um, twice and didn't make the team, didn't make the cut, and then my third time through the training, the aptitude testing, everything, I finally uh, made the team, and and you know, but the force was only a hundred members, and so even to to try to get on that team was was there were a lot of long-standing guys that were on there for 10, 15, some guys for 20 years. So there weren't a lot of spots opening up uh, when I was sort of going through my, my career. And, uh, but yeah, this is a, this is a pretty exciting time. And uh, I got to see a lot of things that your average, you know, officer doesn't get the experience. And then the high levels of training is, uh, is amazing. And, uh, you know, to be, you know, 24 seven on call and to see some, some crazy stuff over uh, over my time. A lot of kicking doors, a lot of uh, scary situations, and uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. I can't believe I'm asking this, um, but I, I got you. what's <laughs> what was the what was the cr- craziest story uh, when you were on the SWAT team? Like, what was the if you can even talk about it, what was like the I can't believe I like. I can't believe I'm in the thick of this right now. <laughs> uh, there's a couple I can't really talk about. That's, uh, no, that's fair. <laughs> I figured <laughs> figured as much, but, but just, 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 yeah, some, some, uh, this is probably stuff that yeah, I mean, people not. Maybe it's a conversation for a face to face conversation. Yeah, fair enough. Than, fair enough. Rather than live, yeah, yeah. But saw some some things that that tells the story wanna, right there, Dean. Yeah. <laughs> that tells yeah. the story right there. So, he, something else grabbed my attention there. You said that you know you. Um, well, actually, before before I ask that, you you mentioned something before the show that I thought was really really fascinating, which was you were the very first. Uh, black member of the New Brunswick Police Force. Yeah, the Frederick, Frederick City Police. Yeah, yeah, so. pretty interesting. Uh, interesting times uh, that time period in my life, and with you know all the things that have gone on, you know, in the last ten or fifteen years when we talk about 
you know, we spoke about this, you know, the racial injustice and different things. So it was, uh, it was, a, it was an interesting time, um, when I was hired and, and, uh, went through some, some ups and downs, some, some criticisms, some, uh, you know, racial tensions, some, yeah, it's, uh, you know, when you put that uniform on, you have, uh, you know, you, you put on a, a burden as well and you, you have to, you know, uh, lift your out yourself sort of to a higher standard and, and, uh, regardless of, you know, color, race, ethnicity, but, um, certainly saw, uh, some good things and some bad things, uh, over the years. And, and, uh, you, you just try to find a way to always do the right thing and navigate, um, through those situations and build relationships that aren't, you know, based necessarily on the, on the color of your skin, but more of, of your, your ability to do your job and your knowledge and, and your, you know, your forethought and right thinking and, and good decision making. So, but yeah, I went, went through some challenges over the years. So I was going to ask this later on and, and we, we did talk about it before the show, but I think it's appropriate since we're, we're kind of on the topic of it. And, and I, and I, and I, and I preface this to you and I, I'm going to preface this to my audience. So I, I've, I have absolutely no agenda in answering this, asking this question, but I, I think that Dean brings an interesting perspective and I'm interested, I'm anxious to hear it. And you kind of already shared a little bit about it. Um, you know, you, you, you've served in the police force and I can't believe I didn't thank you for your service before this, because I, I, I find Policemen and women uh, of this country, of Canada, all over the world. It's an incredibly, incredibly difficult job. Uh, one of the hardest jobs in the world. Um, and you also happen to be Canadian. Uh, you served in police force in, in, in Canada, New Brunswick. And uh, you also are black. And I, I, think the, I, I think you have a very unique perspective, especially what's gone on the last 12 months here in this country. I mean, it's been going on for... For, for, for years, but I did, I mean, is there, I mean, is there any, is there anything that you, you, any kind of words of wisdom or anything that you experienced in your career that, you know, could, could lend value to, to the, the, the current situations that are going on? Just, um, you know, probably the biggest thought that comes to mind for me is, is, you know, just, taking responsibility, you know, for your actions, um, certainly in the, in the policing pr profession, but also, um, just doing the right thing. As I, as I said, you're held to a higher standard when you, when, you know, when you graduate from the academy and they, you know, they give you that badge and then you, you have the luxury of, you know, carrying a gun 24 seven and, and taking away people's freedoms and, and rights. Um, when it's warranted and uh, it's just a, it's a heavy, uh, sort of a heavy task. And so I, I, um, you know, I stay connected to, to a lot of the, uh, obviously police forces around the world. And, you know, we, we were big supporters of the smoke and shields uh, group, you know, that started out of New York and, and they, now they've got chapters all over the U S and, you know, we did some cigars for the Maryland group and, and John Bellico, the, the president up in, in New York. So, it's something, you know, I believe in and, uh, and something that's sort of near and dear uh, to me. But, uh, you know, we, you just, as I said, you put that badge on, you have a responsibility to, to, uh, be at a higher standard and a moral obligation to, to always do the right thing. And that, that doesn't always happen, unfortunately. And, and like in every profession, there's sometimes good and bad apples or, um, 
situations that uh, you can become compromised. So um, it's certainly a tough, a tough job. But um, um, I don't. If I had my time back, I probably wouldn't go back and and serve today, knowing what I know now. So I, I just have a lot of respect for the for the men and women that really are out there, especially in today's day and age, wearing the badge and and putting their lives on the line every every day because it's a, it's a heavy heavy task. And thankless that you know a lot, a lot of the time. It, it certainly is, and, and again, I, I thank you for for your service and 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 the men and women that you serve with, um, and who continue to serve to this day. I know that you still have friends uh, who uh, who are still members of uh, of police forces all all around this country and your home country as well. Yeah. You, you brought up a, and I heard you speak about this in another show, and then we talked, we we kind of touched on it a little bit before the show too. It you know. Some of the some of the toughest calls that you ever were on had had nothing to do with situations that are becoming more talked about today, in the, at least in the past twelve months, but rather d- domestic calls, domestic uh, domestic dispute calls were were some of the scariest. Uh, I'll use that word. I don't think you use that word, but I'll use that yeah. word. Yeah. No. No. The domestic violence is, is sort of one of the top. Um, contributors to uh, police officers being injured and or killed and uh, it's, uh, it's it's scary and as a you know I guess there as a regular civilian you wouldn't necessarily think that that would be a, uh, a high risk sort of a situation but it, it is one of the highest risk situations and and the the officer mortality rate is very high when, when it comes to uh, you know Responding to domestic violence cases, you know, whether it be husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend scenarios, and it's, uh, you just, you never know how those things can, can turn very quickly and, uh, and turn into loss of life. That's, that's just unbelievable. I, you're right. Um, me being a, just a, a normal citizen, I, I, I heard you say that before and I, I, I was shocked to find that that's the case. And then I, when I, when I heard you say that in a previous interview, uh, having you know you that we're going to be on the show, I, I started asking some of my friends who are, are, are police officers as well, and I was like, "Hey, you know, I've, I've heard this perspective," and they're like, "Oh, absolutely! I mean, it's spot on." And I was like, "Unbelievable! How do how do we not know about this? Like, how do how is there not more awareness about this?" And and um, I, I think it's something that you know you know through discussions like these, we can kind of kind of bring that to light. And um, I think it's I think it's a very important topic for sure. Um, we're not going to be Debbie Downers all night. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, so your, your, your life took a pretty abrupt turn when you decided to take a, a, a vacation uh, in a place that I've always wanted to visit. Um, I, uh, I'm not a big beach guy. I, I give me a mountain top and some skiing and a, and a fire and a cigar and, you know, a, a nice spirit. And, uh, and that's vacation. That's relaxing to me, but my wife's a big beach person. And, uh, and she said, "Well, where would you want to go?" And and I was like, "The well, I was like, well, I've been to Dominican, and I think that's I, I think that's sensational. But I've always wanted to go to Turks and Caicos. Um, but that's a place that you called home for for several years. Uh, you, you mentioned that you went down there on vacation, went back another year, and then got the opportunity to to make the move. So um, you know, I know it was revolving around real estate. Did you have any ambition, real estate ambitions before this, or did, was it just something that kind of fell in your lap?" It was just one of those scenarios. Uh, a good friend of mine, uh, roommates in college and after college, um, 
was there working in real estate from I think 2003, and uh, I got down there a couple times to visit. And of course, it's, it's impossible not to fall in love with that place. It's you know they've been top 10 beaches in the world probably the last 20 years, and um, the scuba diving, the the water sports, the the turquoise water. The I mean, it's it's just over the top. The the, the view when you fly into Providencial and Turks and Caicos is just it takes your breath away. And um, so to, to get there and have that opportunity, and I had never really traveled much outside of Canada before that time. And uh, so, and and the main island, Providenciales, is only about 26 miles long and about two and a half miles wide at its widest point. Um, so you, you can easily end up with cabin fever there as well. Uh, but yeah, the opportunity just kind of sort of fell into my lap and uh, I sort of, took a look internally and said, listen, I think this is sort of that move that I was uh, debating making or that opportunity that was just sort of pie in the sky scenario. But um, yeah, so I, I uh, flew back after my second trip and uh, went in and handed my resignation and, uh, and really didn't look back. And so I lived there from 2005 to 2009. But once again, saw a lot of ups and downs. Well, the, when I got there, the real estate market was booming. We opened our first hotel in 2008, and then we started selling our second property, which was going to be a bigger hotel resort. And uh, we, we did an event in Miami one night, and we sold 40, 44 condos out of 150 condo unit building in one night. Took money, escrows, and deposit, and uh, made close to a million in commissions. And the market crashed. The money sat in escrow. All the money got returned, and and uh, next thing you know, I'm on a plane to to the Dominican Republic <laughs> with another real estate project. So, um, yeah, wow. it was, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. So you never you never know what's gonna happen. And uh, I was thankful that at that time I had made some some good relationships in Turks and Caicos with other uh, people in the real estate industry and. Uh, a group that was starting a new project, actually a group out of Fort Lauderdale that had land in the Dominican, hired me to head up their sales team. And so I moved uh, in January 2009, moved to the Dominican in the North Coast uh, in Cabarete, Puerto Plata area. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. And that's when I started, you know, still working full time in real estate. But, yeah, we wanted to sort of build something with Epic. And, uh, and that gave me the opportunity to do that. So, yeah. And then nine years later, uh, that's, you know, from 2009 to basically the end of 2018, uh, I was living in the Dominican full time and traveling from there, um, you know, wherever I had to go. And um, that gave me the opportunity to really, you know, spend time with a lot of people that I that I look up to in this business and, and learn and get mentored and, you know, spend the time in the factory and 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 just learning, you know, learning the business while, you know, the first few years still having you know, a backup plan or having that, you know, the resources to to stay employed and, and to focus on, you know, investing in what I was trying to build. So, and, but this, uh, I mean, the story of Epic really starts, I mean, really, well, it started a long time ago, but I mean, it, it actually really started with your work in Turks and Caicos. You, you started, you know, um, from what I understand, the the cigar market or cigar world in Turks and Caicos isn't very broad, which is which is interesting to me, considering it's it's sitting in the Caribbean, which is the you know hotbed for cigar activity. But 
so here's a question that I've always been wanted. I've always wanted to ask you. Now I know that you your first cigar was in Can it was in Canada, and I'm I'm, I'm presuming it was. And from my understanding, it was Cuban. It was a Cuban cigar. Was yeah. Was, mm -hmm. So you know, you had being Canadian, you had access to Cubans. Going to Turks and Caicos, you had access to Cubans. Um, but yet you opted to go and do tours in the Dominican, you know, Davidoff, um, you know, so, uh, La Aurora and a couple of other places. I know that you're, you're really close with the Sejas family, yeah. uh, which is the first, I, I've, I've coined the term. They're the first family of the Dominican of Dominican cigars. Cause, uh, they actually have uh, no Cuban heritage. Um, they're, they're entirely Dominican, which is really, really great story that they have. Um, what what drove you to the Dominican rather than going the Cuban route? Well, it was only a 20-minute flight. So from Providence, I was Turks and Caicos over to Santiago. It was, it was a, a quick flight, and so it just made sense. It was easy, quick. And it's funny, all these years later, I still haven't been to Cuba, and I can really – I can go uh, anytime, <laughs> with, you know, with my, my Canadian passport, but I, I have not been uh, been to Cuba. That yeah, was just more out of uh, convenience – uh, somewhere close that I could fly to and uh, for not a lot of money. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of cigars. And initially I was just going and buying cigars to have for our clients and customers, uh, you know, at the at our sales center and, and at our resort. And it sort of just sort of morphed into something else. And after, you know, buying cigars over a couple of years and seeing the opportunity of, wow, I could actually make and brand a cigar for the Turks and Caicos and the inspiration where I, that came from was I, I did a trip to the Bahamas and uh, I had an opportunity to go to the Great Cliff Hotel and and have that sort of Great Cliff experience where they have the roller in the lobby of this sort of boutique restaurant and they have the wine cellar in the basement and the guy rolls a cigar for you after dinner, you know, medium, light, medium, full bodied and they you know, the guy comes out in the white dinner jacket and he's sort of roasting the cigar with the open flame to dry it because it's just freshly rolled off the table. And I'm like, hey, if they can if they can have cigars in Bahamas and there are, you know, a lot of initially they were all rolled there. And I think they use some factories now in the Dominican. I'm not sure, but um, I'm like, I can make a cigar in, in the Dominican for the Turks and Caicos Islands. And that's sort of. Uh, what I ended up doing and we had in all the, you know, hotels and, and, and resorts and duty free shops and, uh, and, a, and a, a sort of a backstory on the cigar, which made it something that as people traveled, it was an item they would, they would take back with them, a sort of a piece of history of the Turks and Caicos Islands. So the Turk Select was your first blend, actually. It was in 2007. Mm -hmm. um, so what, being Dominican, I'm, I'm, was it a Dominican puro or did you, what, what do you, do you, yeah. do you, okay. So it's a Dominican puro. Yeah. Yeah. It has Sumatra, Sumatra, in, uh, Sumatra Indonesian binder and Dominican uh, binders and fillers. Yeah. Light, light to medium at best as far as strength. Um, and just something that you, even as a first time smoker, you can have a good experience with it. Um, and towards the end, I, I came out with a Maduro version, but it never really took off. And then, you know, obviously the changes, the market crashing and then relocating to the Dominican, I, I kind of moved away from that and uh, we, we shut that side of the business down. And that's when I uh, started to, you know, had the vision for Epic and, and launching you know, something different that wasn't anchored to the, to the Turks and Caicos. 
was the Turk Select blend, was that kind of your wheelhouse or were you blending for the, the popular market? You know, something that, more that was popular more popular market. Yeah, popular market, 100%. And I was still, you know, I was still pretty green at that time as far as, you know, cigars and the knowledge that I had. And, and uh, certainly if, you know, if I was to back up now, I probably wouldn't have anything close to, to that cigar. But, um, but you know, my knowledge has grown, my palate's changed. Um, um, but it's still a cigar. I think that um, could fit into a profile of cigars as you, you know, as you build a business. It's certainly, uh, it, it was well received, and uh, and at the time, I thought it was pretty, it was pretty awesome, and uh, uh, it was a lot of fun, just learning and, and and sort of growing and branding. And we did a whole history of it. Of the cigar was called the Turk Select 1841, and in 1841, uh, there was a slave ship called the Troubadour that sailed from uh, Africa. Was on its way to Cuba and sank off the Turks and Caicos, and and so we did a whole sort of history spin on on the taste of freedom, Turks wow. Select 1841, and we were going to come up. I was going to come up with several other lines uh, of cigars sort of based on that as well, but switched gears and and uh, we headed in an epic direction. I mean, it certainly has been an epic story so far. I mean, you know, you know, semi-professional hockey, career in law enforcement, million-dollar deals in the real estate market, a crash, and now you're in the Dominican, um, and you launch, you decide to launch Epic Cigars. Um, so, what was the? I guess what was the in the initial intent, like you said, like, I know for a while you were still working both, like you said, you were working both. It wasn't your full time yet. What was the initial challenge of getting it off the ground? Was it, uh, was it, was it finding the right factory? Was it the blending? Was it the market? I mean, was it an all encompassing thing? What was the, what was the biggest challenge you faced by launching a new brand, um, you know, in 2010? It, it was, <laughs> It was a combination of a lot of things, uh, certainly from a financial standpoint, um, because it's one of those, I always say, you know, be careful what you wish for. And, uh, you know, when I started Epic originally with the Maduro and the Corojo lines and, you know, three sizes at the time, you know, Robusto, Double Corona, Gordo, and, you know, two different boxes. And then, you know, we start to hit the market, we start to get some traction and then, you know, you make, you're making 5,000, 10,000, and then all of a sudden you're making 50,000 cigars and, and you just, it can kind of, you know, you can drown in that if you don't, because I was, I was just sort of winging it the first three or four years. And, and thankfully I had the support of the factory and, and, you know, they were financing. And as long as I was selling it, they were producing more and keeping back stock. So it was the biggest challenge is, you know, financially, uh, just, taking that leap because we're always making money, but you're not, when you start out in this business, you're not making enough money to, to pay yourself a salary and do all that other stuff. Um, and so, but it wasn't until I switched gears and went full time um, that you, you, you can't get to the, to the next level doing this as, as a part-time uh, job. And that's what I was doing for the first few years. And then, 
obviously was able to raise capital, had some investors early uh, that helped grow. But once again, you kind of, you invest a few hundred thousand or half a million and then, okay, well, you realize you really needed a million or 750,000. <laughs> and, and so it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it can be overwhelming. Well, the, the, sure. what, what's the, the longest standing joke in the industry? If you want to make a million dollars in this business, start with two. Yeah, that's uh, Eric Espinosa. <laughs> first time I met him, he said that, and uh, he's so he's so right. So it, it is. It's it it can be overwhelming. And the biggest thing is when you, you know, when you start to build a retail base, and then they they're building a customer base based on your cigars and what you're offering. And then when that goes away, and I went through those challenges where, you know, in New Jersey and Philly area, we had you know dozens and dozens of shops, and then. You know, I was struggling even up until, you know, 2018, not having all the resources I needed. Um, and you, you're running at a product, it's getting delayed, you're getting shipments in late, you're, you know, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul scenario. And, and, uh, so it's, and it's sometimes it's easier to get a new customer than it is to, to build the relationship back up again after you've, you've let somebody down, you know, as far as just not being able to supply the demand that, that they've created with your cigars. So, um, you know, it's, there's a lot, a lot of challenges. It's not for the slight of heart for sure. And there were times, you know, I can tell you between probably 2015 to 2018 that I didn't know if we were going to, you know, keep the wheels on the bus or not. And, uh, um, a lot of challenges and, and even, you know, now with the acquisition of Epic by, by Sandra Greg Napsico, um, since, since the change, we've, we've probably grown more in the last two years than I grew in the first sort of eight. And, you know, we're in a position now where we're, we're growing, rebuilding some relationships and, and obviously expanding our whole, our whole footprint. And, uh, it's, it's a good feeling when you're kind of, you don't have to look over your shoulder trying to make ends meet. And you can really, you know, what I love to do is, is this, it's building on the relationships, traveling, um, you know, new cigars, new products, new packaging. And, um, so it's, it's nice to have all the resources in place that, that we have now and, and be able to, you know, take some big steps in the industry. It's, it's, a, it's a good feeling for sure. I want to come back to some of the some of the the growing pains and then also the victories too along the way. But since you, you've mentioned it a couple of times now, I want to skip ahead a little bit here. You know, I, I you know I, I have a day job too, and you know, last year um, my company, who was a small boutique software company, um, entered into a partnership where you would you would say an acquisition, um, depending on the perspective of. Uh, of of the company, so uh, I'm working for a much larger larger company now. Um, the, the the acquisition by by Natsiko was that uh, you know how did that relationship come about and like was it and ultimately like you know you're you're obviously still you're obviously still heading the brand you're still you're still you are still the identity of the brand which is terrific for all of your you know your lifelong fans you know but what how did that relationship develop and then how did it ultimately come down to i'm going to stay on and i'm going to continue to build this thing yeah well we arthur uh, barbarian who's the owner of, of, of um, sandra greg distributing which is 
This is Andrew Gregg. It's like a smaller version of a uh, of, uh, Philips and Kinger Meyer Dutch. Carry more than 7,500, you know, items, premium cigars, you name it, accessories. Um, but we had met in 2003 or four in the Dominican through some common common friends. He had done some business with Rolando, who runs our factory there. And, and we had met at some Christmas events over the years. And, and obviously, we, we met at the trade show. In Vegas several times, and he took an interest in in me and what I was doing with Epic. But but we also had some conversations where where I was sharing, you know, some of the challenges uh, that I was going through. And so uh, we just kept in touch, uh, you know, over all those years. And finally, at the end of 2018 or early 2019. Um, it just made sense to to make that move, and uh, and really nothing has changed as far as the business except for we've got more cigars in production, we've got more cigars aging, we're marketing now uh, like we never did, and uh, basically I'm out traveling, and we've got you know budgets in place to do all the things, uh, and that's led to new business opportunities, new uh, business relationships, new charity work we're doing. Um, and just more events and, and giving more back to our retailers, giving more back to our customers and, um, and growing and, and to, you know, everybody wants to, it's never hard to, to find people that want to, you know, invest in a cigar business or, or be part of something cool. But, uh, what, what Xander Gregg and that, the NetSeco brands brings to Epic is, you know, distribution, the understanding of the cigar business, the understanding of, where you need to put funds and why you need to put them there and which can be difficult to explain to, to somebody that's not really part of the business. And, uh, I've been around the business for a long, long time. There's a lot of relationships with, you know, some of the top players in the industry and, you know, and obviously including AJ. And so it just, it was a natural fit as opposed to, you know, just finding investment dollars. Now, I know Xander Gregg really helped kind of spearhead this growth, this exceptional growth that you've had in Germany that we alluded to earlier. Um, but you actually built Epic as an international business when you built a relationship with the Bondi family up in uh, up in your native mm-hmm. Canada, right? So that was, and they're they're known for their distribution of Alec Bradley. They've taken on some several brands since then, but yours was the next brand that they took. I mean, they were exclusively Alec Bradley until you until you entered the Canadian market, right? Yeah, and that was. It was 2015. Actually, it was the same time uh, when we started in Germany. Uh, both those those um, relationships came into play that same year. And uh, Joe and Justin have been awesome. Um, you know, Canada, obviously, the pricing's challenging. The the import taxes, <laughs> and you know, you're paying 16 to 20 dollars for an Epic cigar there, as opposed to you know, eight to 10 in, in the U.S. or 12. Um, but you know, being from Canada, that was something I, I really wanted to to eventually have my cigars back there, and I didn't expect it to happen as quickly as it did. And uh, we've got some awesome retailers, you know, in, in Canada, across the country, and, and you know, still growing those relationships as well. And they're just awesome. They're both hockey guys. So that, and that was really what, what uh, sort of sparked the relationship where cigars over hockey's about uh, conversations about hockey and, and sports and uh um they're just their family when i go to canada i stay with them uh, you know at their homes and um 
it's just a real sort of relationship that uh, you don't get with a lot of a lot of people you do business with. So they're they're like family. I consider them family for sure. And and even at that time, Alan Rubin, who uh, you know being from Alec Bradley or being the exclusive distributor for Alec Bradley, he kind of had to sort of give them uh, his blessing to bring in other brands. And you know, obviously now they're uh, they're also. So working with, with Espinosa, obviously with Christoph Cigars and um, you know a few other brands. So yeah, it's been a great a great ride with those guys. And I, I love getting up there. It's been a minute, so hopefully we'll be able to get up there soon. I know you hail from the eastern part of the country. Um, my my in-laws are actually uh, they call uh, Vancouver, British Columbia home. Um, they're they're actually working on on, on citizenship as well. Um, but uh, they uh, they introduced me to some great establishments there in BC. Uh, one on Victoria Island, and then uh, but one of the places I loved. I don't know if have you been to City Cigar in Vancouver? Have you? I have not. No. Oh, it's it's a it's a fantastic store. The, the I think the thing that's it's really interesting about the cigar culture in Canada versus the United States. It's you know here in the United States. And probably the world over, it's, you know, for the most part, it's very lounge driven. You know, it's, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a haven to smoke, right? Well, in Canada, that's, that's, that's a no-go because of smoking restrictions and everything, um, which I've always struggled with because there, I've been in cigar shops, even in this country, where they're not smoking and, or, and there's, there's no lounge. And, and I, it's it's been a struggle for me because I've worked retail as well, and it's been a struggle for me to kind of almost kind of take take them seriously when they're not actively smoking the product in front of me. Um, I, that couldn't be further from the truth at the the folks of City Cigar, and I'm sure that it's like that all over Canada um, because I mean these people were 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 just as passionate as me just as passionate as some of the, you know, some of the great proprietors and tobacconists down here in the States. And it was, it was a really eye-opening experience because they, they really talked, um, they didn't just talk about Cubans. They talked about, you know, all the, all the other available, you know, cigars and stuff. And it was, um, it was, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. I really encourage, if you ever do get north of the border, you're going to pay a hefty price, but, uh, but, uh, but Epics are, uh, you know, steal it, you know, twice the price because they're basically, uh, uh, you know, they're an affordable cigar there in Canada. So that's when you're paying $30 just, for other stuff, you know, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. I, you know, I remember I did an event in Calgary a few years ago in Calgary, Canada, and guys are buying boxes or doing box sales, which is, is rare as well. And so these guys are, you know, splitting boxes for $600 Canadian that's you know two hundred dollar <laughs> box of cigars uh, in the U.S. and I'm like Crazy. I'm just struggling. I'm feeling bad for these guys. <laughs> like, uh, but oh, once again, when you look at the Cubans, it's your your it's all another level again. You know, you can be paying as much as you know thirty forty dollars fifty dollars Canadian for a, you know just a regular Cohiba, nothing special. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's challenging. I. I recall my first visit to city cigar and my father-in-law who, who, who doesn't have a lot of money. And I, I thought it was an incredible gift. He knew how much I love cigars. And he's like, all right, you know, Barry, you, your gift is a, it's a hundred dollars to go spend. And I, I mean, I was floored by the amount and I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, like this is crazy. And, uh, and, 
I got into the store and I, I realized how how a hundred dollars didn't go very far. Um, but it was still. I mean, that that being said, it was still an incredible experience and it was a very very generous by my father in law. It was crazy. Um, and today's his birthday, so happy birthday to my my father in law Ingo, Ingo Shepler. He a tremendous man and uh, and so uh, I'm really uh, really uh, really pleased to talk about him on his birthday today. So, um, but. Uh, um, you know, Epic did it is done incredibly well in Canada, incredibly well in Germany. Now you're you're, you're now with the partnership with Natsiko, you're really bolstering to 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 make a footprint here in the United States, which is still the is still the market in the world when it comes to cigars. Um, the 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 ten, which I'm still finished. Dean, this is sensational. The cigar is sensational. I I just I'm I am I'm I'm really blown away with the the the, the the, the flavor there's a lot of power to this cigar um but it's not overpowering if that makes sense um yeah. it's got some good age on it as well because because of believe it or not one of the better things that happened with covid is is you know we ship that cigar you know basically it sat for almost a year um oh wow after, yeah before we started shipping so <laughs> so yeah which just certainly adds to the to the experience, and yeah, I'm, I, it's such a different, it's such a departure from all the other things we have in Epic, which we, we've got a pretty um, broad spectrum. But this is completely different, and obviously, you know, coming from Nicaragua, you're, you're, there's just so many great tobaccos from different regions there, and and it's just uh, just another experience. And we're going to be bringing more things from Nicaragua in the future as well. Well, let's it here. So, you know, over the years, you've built this, just to kind of go back a little bit in the history, you, you built up this relationship with the, the, the Charles Fairborn factory, which is, you know, um, you know, home to Christoph cigars and between Christoph and Epic, I mean, you guys make up 99% of their production. Um, and, you know, if not more. <laughs> um, so I know you have a really big familiarity with, with, with Glenn cigars and, uh, when you decided to partner with that particular factory, um, you know, was it, I mean, because it's not, because it's kind of dominated by one terrific brand, uh, was that, was that, was that a challenge in itself, uh, kind of, you know, or was it just about being with the right people? It was, I mean, obviously about being with the right people, um, but having, you know, on some of my initial visits uh, with Rolando, who, who Rolando Villamil, who's a, you know, master blender and who's, who's the guy behind, you know, all the great things that Christoph puts, has put out into the market as well. It was just a, it was just a, a, a feeling, a, a good feeling um, of this is the place I want to be. And then, you know, obviously meeting, meeting Glenn years later and, you know, spent time with Glenn and Jared and Ward and all the guys from Christoph and they're just such a great team and, and Glenn's wife, Terry and, they're just, just, you know, good people, and and uh, they're certainly a, a great brand to model uh, success after, and um, you know, continue to do great things. They've got an awesome, you know, retail base in the U.S., and um, they're a bigger brand than most people realize, um, and then they're doing great things. So that, mm -hmm. in turn, gives us access to, you know, more tobaccos, more. Um, more opportunities as far as the, the tobaccos we work with and, and the scalability of, of our brands. And um, 
yeah, just it's it's just an awesome team, and and really, I've had opportunity to to meet and work on blends with other factories in the Dominican that uh, over the years as well that uh, we've considered, but um, just who are there, you know, the Charles Fairmont, which is now it's called Van Eiken Tobacco. So the factory is actually owned by a uh, German, uh, they're a cigarette conglomerate called called Tobacular Van Eiken, and um, they focused on cigarette business in, in Germany, but uh, they oversee and, and they have the ownership of the of the factory in the Dominican as well. So we've got a great team and, and a lot of resources there that, that I wouldn't have with other factories and, and the, the growth capability as well to scale to scale our brands and, and to scale our production and, and you know back end. So it's uh it's we're gonna we're gonna be with them for a long time. It's great to hear. My 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 I have an extensive experience with Christoph cigars as as it's well documented. My my number two my 2019 number uh, number one cigar of the year was uh, was the Christoph Vengeance for 2019. So I'm I'm a huge fan. I absolutely love it. And so my my experience with them is a lot more extensive than I, I would say with Epic. But what I what I would say that that I've in my limited experience with Epic, and even my extensive experience with Christoph, is that uh, is that both the cigars are, are not, are, are, are kind of the, and while they're completely different, which is incredible when you think about uh, a cigars coming out of the same factory, because there's, you know, in this business is froth with, when you have a cigar factory, they kind of have their, they kind of put their signature, you know, across brands yeah. and, and, but that couldn't be further from the truth from you guys. But what I will say that they've mastered in y'all's two brands is, is, is excellence and nuance. Um, because neither, again, neither in my, my experience with Epic and nor with my experience in Kristoff are, are any of the blends just like with maybe the exception of the pissed off, but like are in your face, you know, knock them down, drag you out kind of cigars are just, they're incredibly flavorful, complex, beautiful cigars without being heavy handed. And, uh, but yet the two identities are, are just so completely individual and unique it, it was you know is that something you're incredibly proud of the fact that you've you're able to utilize a factory that's so known for one brand but be have your own completely separate identity it is it's, it's super cool because I've, I've you know spent time i've smoked through pretty much everything uh, christoph makes over the years uh, you know spending time with those guys and um, I think that's what is super cool that our, our, our brands are so different. Our, our blends are completely different. And, you know, a lot of my knowledge comes up, it comes from Orlando, but I would, you know, back when we, you know, produced the Maduro, the original Maduro blend and then the Corojo, um, we reblended both those blends later. And I got a lot of advice and input from Jose Blanco over over the years, and he was actually the guy behind the Epic Habano blend. He really worked closely with me on that one. So, you know, we had the initial blend prepared of what the, the footprint of the blend we were going to use. And then, um, then Jose and I sat and smoked and tweaked it and changed it and, you know, had Jose Sejas, you know, smoke stuff that, that we were blending. And, and so really I was getting a lot of great advice from a lot of people that know a hell of a lot more about cigars than I do. So, so I think 
their influences are all through uh definitely jose jose blanco's influences it felt in my in the habano blend which was really a blend that we created and then the uh we the Corojo reblend. You have a lot to do with that as well. So uh, it's just been great to to spend time with those guys and listen and get mentored and and just learn. And uh, you know we're just still just beginning. So much to learn and and uh, a lot of time to do it. So Jose Blanco, Jose Cejas, Scar Hall of Famer. You know the Mad Professor himself. I mean these like you said these are these are some pretty and these are these are icons in the business giving you tips and tricks about, uh, about cigars. I mean, you, you, I mean, that's a, I mean, for those people who don't know, I mean, my, my dream in the cigar business is to do what you do, Dean. I would love to have a brand one day. And I know that, like you said, from your, from your own lips, you know, just what a challenge and, and, and hard work it is. I mean, um, and I certainly, I certainly don't have the, the, the capital to do it, but uh, I mean, when you, when you learn from, from the from, from those guys i mean it it it's you know it has to it has to be reassuring knowing that the cigars that you're putting out are are excellent you know it's it's not just you know relying on a factory or picking a blend or i mean you you really you really got your hands dirty to use the metaphor right i mean you really dug in yeah. and, and really took ownership of this which is something that a lot of brand owners, you know, frankly don't do. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, but, but this was, this was, this has been part of your identity from the very beginning of Epic. As you kind of continue to build Epic is, is, do you, do you see yourself getting more hands-on with it? Or are you going to take, are you going to, do you see yourself more becoming the ambassador role that you've now taken on with, you know, COVID aside, more travel and, 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 and really getting the name out there. No, it's, it's the, the, the cigar side of the business, the blending, the, uh, the tobaccos, the, that side of the business for me is, is the most exciting part. I mean, um, and just continuing to learn more about that, especially when it comes to, you know, to Nicaragua, all the, you know, the different regions and, and tobaccos that that we don't even have access to in the Dominican. It's just you know spend time. I, I, uh, two years ago, I got to spend time with, with James and Angela uh, from Black Label in Germany, and uh, over you know four or five day period, and got to smoke through all their stuff and 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 spend time with guys like Noel Ross and and just listen and learn to the the things they're bringing into the market. And it's just it's overwhelming. But I, I love that side of the business, so I'm always going to stay connected to that um and obviously continue to to grow and be the ambassador and and, and the face of, of our brands so, um but yeah that that i mean if i could just be in the dominican or nicaragua six to eight months of the year i would uh right now that's not where our focus is because we're still growing our, our following growing our retail base and and i think it's important to kind of travel and get that story out and focus on that to really scale scale our partners and and uh, and customer base. I, I have to say that the idea of a Dean Parsons of a Hanegra partnership or collaboration uh, just excites <laughs> the heck out of me. So if 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 that could ever come to fruition, I'm 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 the first. Just go ahead and sign me up for a box right now, Dean, and we'll, we'll call it a day. I don't you don't even you don't even have to tell me the price. That the money's in the bank. Trust me, uh, I'll make it I'll make it happen. 
<laughs> what's so cool is is you know a lot of people you know, in the industry sometimes will say oh we don't oh, I only smoke my stuff or I smoke different cigars every week from competitors from just new stuff that's in the market because I want to be able to speak to it when it comes to to what I'm putting on the market and and so when you get a chance to as I said to hang out with you know whether it's Glenn Cage or Christoph and learn about why he's created a certain blend in a certain way or the new tobacco that he's using for this wrapper and then to spend time with a guy like James and and Noel and and it's just awesome and that's how you learn that's how you kind of grow and and sort of choose your your path as you uh, as you go through the market and um it gives you inspiration and uh and it's just there's so many great cigars out there that's what i love about the industry is that um it's endless uh, i have spent time in uh you know in the dominican uh, back in 16 and 17 spent a lot of time um with uh henderson ventura and his father william and i'd have you know weekly visits i'd go by their factory and anytime i was in santiago and smoke whatever they had new and and talk and listen and learn and, and those guys are awesome and they're they're putting some great stuff out the market obviously mm. for for matt booth and for caldwell and and then their own cigar the the aventura cigars and so it's, it's and now awesome danny too. vasquez with barracoa is right. coming back yeah exactly. so yeah yeah so so uh, Two, two questions before we kind of go into our, our next segment here, uh, Dean, because I'm uh, I'm a uh, you know as, as Coop and I go back and forth on this, you know, my partner on Cigar Coop Primetime Special Edition. So Coop, Coop's a Coop's a Gordo guy. He's a you know he's and I'm and I'm and I'm a Lancero guy, and I I know I have an ally sitting across from me this evening because yeah. you're a Lancero yeah. guy too. Um, what is it about that Vitola that that really because I, I mean. As much as you and I love Lanceros and, you know, aside from certain pockets, you know, I mean, what, you know, what is it about that Vitola that speaks to Dean Parsons? Well, it's weird because I, I wasn't always a Lancero guy until I started smoking, you know, Lanceros because like, like anyone, when you're entering the market, you're, you're going to make and produce the, the more, the popular sizes because just from a business standpoint, that makes sense. And, so the closest thing I came to with the Lancero was when, when we launched the Epic Habano, I came out, it came out with that Corona extra size, which is a, a 46 by, you know, five and a half. And, and Jose said, Dean, you, you need to do this size and along with the other sizes we did. We did a Rothschild, we did the Gordo, the Busto, Toro. Um, but it was, it was sort of that size that really sort of switched my mind or my thoughts on you know the smaller vitolas and then obviously we did some test blends in the maduro we came up with the maduro lancero the corolla lancero um we have the habano lancero now as well so it's just just that blast of flavor that that i mean if i'm on the golf course i'm, I'm like coop i'll smoke a gordo and throw it in the grass and you know go on with my business but but if any other time i want a lancero just 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 because of the 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 experience you get from that cigar, the really the sort of true flavor experience and and the abundance of it in, in that that Vitola is just it's a different cigar um, for me. And uh, I'll you know smoke two or three Lanceros in an afternoon some days just 
uh, you know, if you're on the water with friends or, or what have you. But, um, it's just, yeah, I, I think you really just get more out of a cigar in that, in that nine zero format. So are you are you are you familiar with Stogies down in Houston? They're 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 kind of like the Texas hotbed for Lanceros. So yeah, yeah, do, they're do a customer. They, they, oh, I was gonna say, do they carry they yeah. they get Epic Lancero? Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, they carry all the Epic Lanceros. Yeah, Habano, Corojo, Maduro. Yeah. Have you done an H Town yeah. yet? Have you done an Epic H Town? No, no. We have uh, Jorge and I have talked about that. Uh, it hasn't happened yet, but it's something that that I hope uh, we can do in the future. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. So um, this, this is kind of, again, my last question before we go into the next segment here is, is you know, was there, a, I'm not a big fan of the term aha moment, because I think, I think you're, I think as, as tonight has proven, your, your, your life story has had several of those, but where, can you identify or pinpoint the moment where you're like this, like, cigars are the cigar industry is 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 my home this is where i belong it was it was it's funny uh, when you say that because i remember doing the first trade show in, in uh, vegas uh, i think it was 13 or 14 um and just like being overwhelmed and and at the end of the show not being super uh, excited because, you know, we hadn't had great success at that initial show and we had shelled out a bunch of cash and we had built a booth and, you know, increased production. We did all these elaborate humidors, and, but it, it probably wasn't until, uh, I think it was 2015, 14 or 15 when we signed on with, with Alec Bradley and then with Germany that I was like, okay, this is, now we're now we're going international. Now we're we're people are seeing things in me that I probably wasn't even seeing in myself at that time, um, which that was a big step. And then I would say the next one was you know when uh, when Arthur and I sat down at the end of 2018, and and uh, because you know me as a brand owner, I'm like, why you have a brand, you have your distribution company, why Epic, and he's. He said, just, just sort of matter of fact, he's like, I believe in you. You're the reason I believe I see what you're building. I know we can have success together and I know you need the help that, that I can provide. But, but most of all, he said, I, I believe in what you're, what you're creating. And, and so those were probably two of the key moments of, of sort of aha. And, you know, now, now we're going to, we're going to get there. Now you're home. And, uh, yeah. That's yeah, awesome. So it's, uh, yeah, it's nice to, yeah, just to have those moments because otherwise you're you, you're kind of spinning your wheels and and uh, and a lot of the last two years have been awesome things that I never thought would happen have happened and uh, and we're just beginning once again we really are. It's terrific to hear, Dean. So you know, now we're going to tonight's uh, couple of uh, these are these are two of my most favorite topics and favorite segments is and and this is the this is the one must go segment so as always it's 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 brought to you by united cigars uh smoke one today and start living united united cigars is uh, uh features la giana havana distributors of jose dominguez bandolero garofalo and the highly acclaimed atabay and byron line so yes smoke one today and start living united now 
most of my audience knows this, Dina, and, and I know that you're 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 a fan of the show too. So I know you've tuned in. Uh, but just for those of you who are unfamiliar, uh, the idea here is, is I'm gonna I'm gonna pose Dean with the question and of three things, and and one one must go. But uh, in in the spirit of tonight, I wanted to look at, back at Dean's history and look back at uh, specifically sports, and uh, sports have kind of have kind of been a you know, a, you know, a major theme in your life alongside the cigar industry. And I, I, I wanted to take a little bit different of approach with tonight's One Must Go. So I'm going to give you three sports that I know that you are, you know, big fans of, were big, have been a big part of your life. And I want you to remove one, saying which one has made the least impact on your life. So the One Must Go that has made the least impact on your life. So a little bit different take on tonight's One Must Go. Um, but you know, so I, I think the first one is obvious, right? We kind of spent a, a, a number of a number of minutes uh, at the top of the show talking about your your history with it. Of course, that's hockey. Um, now you said to yourself you haven't put on a pair of skates in a really long time, and uh, and uh, and you know it's it's you know it's been it's been a while since then. I, I know you're still a fan and everything. It's a big part of you. But kiteboarding has been another thing of yours. Another, I mean. First of all, I, I, I'm not, I, I got to be honest, I wasn't even, when I heard how big of a fan of, of you were of kiteboarding, I, I had to kind of look it up. I wasn't sure. I thought I knew what it was, but I wanted to make sure. Um, but I know you also scuba dive too. So, you know, a lot of, I mean, talk about discovering other worlds. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty great. So, um, so kiteboarding, hockey, and scuba diving, if you had to remove one that and as, as in terms of the impact that it's had on your life, wh which one would it be? Uh, be scuba diving uh, for sure. It's probably the one that I, I mean, I did a lot of diving in Turks and Caicos. I got my certification there, probably dove a few hundred times. Um, but my, that's much less than the time I spent, you know, kiteboarding and, and kite surfing literally hundreds of days a year uh for for nine years <laughs> so uh as much as i, I do uh, still enjoy scuba diving still certified i get out here in florida once in a while uh but yeah the diving would be the one i would uh would probably take a pass on um and i still got a lot of kiting i, I think in my future and uh the north coast of the dominican republic is probably one of the top 10 places in the world to kiteboard uh, much better than Turks and Caicos even though Turks is, is very beautiful the wind conditions aren't the same um so yeah I'd have to let the, the, the scuba diving go okay so because I've heard I heard okay so that that's contrary to what I've heard or what I, my research told me was that kiteboarding is huge in Turks and Caicos like it's it's like the thing but you're telling me that Florida where you've relocated now is is, is a much more popular destination for kiteboarders no, the, the Dominican, the Dominican, the, Dominican. The, the North Coast of Dominican is probably top 10 in the world uh, for kiteboarding with the trade winds. And, and it's you can literally kite hundreds a day a year. They get winds from, you know, averaging 20 to 35 knots almost on a daily basis. Turks and Caicos is the, the sport has really taken off there, but the you don't get anywhere close to, you know, 100 days a year of, of wind. Um, so a great place to learn. You've got the shallow waters and, and the reef system is beautiful. Um, but, uh, the wind conditions are, aren't comparable. Well, Florida, I don't kite much at all. Um, 
you know, you've got to drive, pay for parking. It's limited where you can kite. You've got to wear different equipment. You've got to wear helmets. Um, you know, it's restricted in certain beach areas. We've got to be offshore. So it's, it's a challenge. A lot of people, I mean, you know, I'm sure there's thousands of people that kite in Florida, but it's not something I, uh, I don't really have the time to, to do it right now anyway, but I have been out a few times and the conditions once again are, are the same as they are in the, in the Dominican. So we talked about your relationship with the Sejas family. So here's something I didn't know. Enrique is a big kite boarder too. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah we, he's, we kited together in Dominican lots of times and, and Ruben Gonzalez as well. Ruben was uh, with Altidus uh, for many years. Uh, Ruben's a big kite boarder as well. So we would all spend time on the weekends in the town where I lived on the North coast, uh, the guys would come over kiting and, um, you know, barbecuing and enjoying beers and, and smoking cigars for, you know, eight, nine years. That's, I mean, let's dive into kiteboarding a little bit. Cause again, like I had to look it up um, because I wasn't necessarily sure if I knew what, uh, what kiteboarding was. So it, it, for, for, to put it in layman's terms, Break this down for us here, Dean. So, to my understanding, uh, you're you, you you're on a board, you're on a, a surfboard, uh, and you're actually you're actually being propelled by the winds, as you're saying. So that there's an actual kite that you're holding on, and you're you're surfing the ocean while being towed around by by the winds and stuff. I mean, I mean, am yeah. I breaking that down into like the most <laughs> basic sentiment of it? This yeah. ha- it has I mean, to be. Usually, I mean, it has to be difficult. I mean, you have to be insanely strong. Well, that you're a lot of the the power from the kite is 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 through your you're connected by a waist harness or a seat harness that you kind of pull up on like a pair of shorts or a waist harness in, for for more advanced kiting. But um, so that kind of harness is all the power. I know people in their seventies and eighties uh, that that our kiteboarders and that have learned, you know, at a late age. So you really don't need, it's a tech, it's more a technical sport than it is a physical sport. And, and the work is 80% of the work is done by the kite. And then you're just, you know, you're basically balancing yourself on the, on the board, whether it's a twin tip board, like a, like a snowboard style board or a, a surfboard. Um, and you can go strapless with straps. And I, I actually have a foil, I have a kite foil board, which, so that you elevate you up off the water and and on my foil board i can go in five to seven knots of wind um on the water and you know kite for miles whereas a regular kiting you want 12 to 16 knots to to be out there and then you know different size kites from 20 meter all the way down to five six meter uh kites so it's it's, it's a lot of fun great sport it's that I, I'm, I'm still just, I'm just still fascinated by it. I'm like the, the amount of strength and discipline that it must take to, to actually take this on. Because I mean, first of all, surfing, I mean, it takes incredible balance just on its own. And, and then let's just, let's throw a kite in it and natural, you know, you know, you know, just natural elements of wind to kind of just make it dip, make it more difficult, frankly, let's just call it what it is. Um, so, so, I mean, did you, were you kiting before, like on your first couple trips to Turks and Caicos, or is it something you picked up while you were there and, and then you just fell in love with it? Or Yeah, after I moved there, um, a friend of mine, actually, uh, a buddy of mine from Toronto, because there were probably only a couple, three or four people that were actually kiting 
in Turks and Caicos when I moved there in, in 05. And so it was just a small group, maybe half a dozen people tops. And so I would drive home from work some days and I'd see these kites flying through the sky. And I'm like, wow. And I'd pull my Jeep over and sit and watch for 20 minutes. And I never ever would get out of the Jeep or walk down to talk to them. Most times you're on the water. And I kept telling my buddy about it. And for Christmas, my first year, he got me a card and it was a gift certificate for this kite instructor. And so I went and met this guy and had a land lesson where you're basically flying like a miniature kite that really can't do a lot of damage with on the beach. You're not harnessed in or anything. And you just kind of learn how to, to steer and manipulate the kite. And, and literally after that first land lesson, before I even got in the water, I got online, ordered all my equipment, bought everything. And I was just, just all in. It's just it's <laughs> such a, such a fantastic sport. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a skier. I was a big skier in Canada as well. I am a level two uh, ski uh, coach and a level one instructor. So uh, skiing was, was sort of something that I, and I did a lot of water skiing and uh, growing up in Canada and boating and stuff. So I've always been oh, sort wow. of, yeah, around water skiing, wakeboarding, um, things like that. So it was something that, that I, I picked up pretty naturally but you can learn and and you know if you get four or five days of wind and good instruction you can be up and riding and uh you know switching directions and packing and things for the sport you can actually it's an easier sport to pick up than surfing as far as to to be uh good at uh, surfing is something that's just i've surfed but i'm i'm not very good and uh, it's, <laughs> that's a sport that that uh is it's a lot the, the learning curve is a lot steeper um i'm i'm Ultimately, I'm terrified, Dean. Uh, but I'm 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 fascinated as well. I I I don't know if I'll ever get the gumption to actually to attempt it. But um, you know what? I if you know maybe one day we can we can get together down in the Dominican. You can you can show me how it's done because uh, I mean I was I was watching like I said I was watching some of the, I was watching some videos and stuff and and I just the the thing that impresses me is just the strength that you must have like it just and and the discipline rather too. I mean, it's just, um, I mean, it's I'm just weird. Astounded. It's, it's just, I, I keep going back to this, but it's not a, it's, it's not as difficult as it looks. It really looks <laughs> like it's more complex and, and, uh, but you, it's not a lot of arm strength. It's not a lot of uh, the kite does the work and it's, it's, it's more a technical sport. Um, and it's just, it's a lot of fun, a lot of fun and something you can do a lot of places in the world. So. Well, I'm, 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 like I said, I'm ultimately utterly fascinated and excited to witness it at some point for, for sure. So firsthand, um, not firsthand, but maybe secondhand, um, I guess, like I said, <laughs> but, uh, um, really, really cool stuff. So, I mean, that, that was our one must go segment. So Dean says, uh, that scuba diving is the least impactful on his, on his, uh, on his journey in his life. But uh, of course, it's our One Must Go is always brought to you by United Cigars, featuring La Giana Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabay and Byron lines. Uh, so smoke one today and start living united. And of course, this is this has become my favorites. This next segment has become one of my favorite segments on our show. And it, it allows us to really uh, bring attention, bring awareness, and uh, potentially even raise some money for some great causes. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I was, you know, I was talking to Dean weeks before uh, leading up to the show about this particular segment. And we're, 
you know, as, as anyone new to our audience knows that I'm where each week we are, we are featuring a, a charity or nonprofit of my guest's choice uh, to spotlight, to bring awareness for, and again, potentially raise some money for, for some great causes. So um, as always, I'm, um, I, I'm pledging tonight uh, a small donation in Dean's honor uh, to his, uh, to his, uh, his charity of choice. So, uh, Dina, what I'd like to do is just give a small introduction, uh, to, uh, to your charity of choice. And I'd like for you to share with your audience, uh, share with my audience rather, um, why this organization is so important to you. And, uh, and, uh, you know, and, uh, I am going to step away for just a second, but I'd like for you to kind of just, uh, discuss with our audience, everything that, uh, about this organization, how they can contribute and what, uh, you know what it goes to it, and so the the charity that you chose uh, is something that's near and dear to your heart, and also uh, someone that you've entered in a partnership with, and that of course is the Cal Ripken Senior Foundation, uh, which is celebrating their 20th anniversary this year. Uh, 20 years that the Cal Ripken Senior uh, Foundation has been around. It's uh, it's it was founded in 2001 in honor and uh, and the legend and the spirit of Cal Ripken Senior, uh, and they have. Uh, tons of programs. Everything they do uh, maintains the values which Cal Ripken Sr., who embodied as voted, uh, embodied as a devoted coach and leader and mentor, surrounded by work ethic and personal responsibility and healthy living. Uh, it's through transformational at-risk youth programs and youth development parks, multi-purpose parks, that they've really kind of given back. And and there's a multitude of programs, programs. Uh, computers to curveballs, as they say, cops to college tours, Cal Ripken Senior Foundation programs have covered all the bases for positive youth development. So uh, uh, six million kids, six million kids are, are benefited through this each and every year. I mean, this is just incredible. Uh, so, Dean, uh, while I step away for just a brief moment, uh, talk a little bit about this organization and why, why it's so uh, important to you uh, specifically. Sure. Um... It's been, we, uh, a little over a year ago, we, uh, um, through uh, actually the Super Bowl event last year here in Miami, I had a chance to meet um, Jonathan Ogden, who used to play for the Ravens, and uh, Jonathan invited me to come up uh, in the spring for his golf event uh, in Baltimore, and through Jonathan's team and his charity foundation, we, uh, I got introduced to the Cal Ripken Foundation, and uh, Steve Salem, who's the president of the Cal Ripken Foundation, and Randy Acosta is one of their uh, team members as well. And uh, and we got to be part of the uh, the Cal Ripken golf event uh, in the fall of this year. And uh, one of the probably biggest factors of wanting to work with them, obviously Cal Ripken is certainly a legend, but um, one of the programs they have is the um, Badges for Baseball uh, which is a life skills training program and, uh, they deal with, you know, tension between police and community members and, um, a lot of different programs. Obviously their youth at risk programs are huge. Um, and they're just, just everything that Cal Ripken stand for stands for is just the, as a, as an athlete, um, as a person and to see the work that is put in by, by his foundation, you know, U.S. wide uh, on an annual basis. I mean, this guy is, you know, had more success in, in life and sports than most people will ever have. And and his dedication to to the, the Ripken Senior Foundation is is unbelievable. Um, to a guy that uh, you know, it's just a good example of giving back. Uh, 
but but the, the the relationship started just because we hit it off uh, when I met uh, Randy Acosta uh, through Jonathan Ogden's foundation, who we're, we're part of as well. But um, so the, through relationships and cigars, what started as you know a sponsorship for a golf event morphed into uh, uh, now a scenario where Epic and and also our Nat Seco brands are the official cigars of the Calvertine Foundation and and all the events they do on an annual basis. So we were in a position where, you know, we're donating cigars and, and resources to events on an annual basis uh, for the charity groups. And and that's adding value and obviously helping raise funds for all the programs they have uh, going on US wide. And uh, we were working on something uh, for the MLB All-Star Weekend. Uh, it's coming up this year. Uh, with Epic and with Nat Seco and the Rifkin Foundation. So can't give too much details, but I'm working with their team on that and uh, a lot of things in the future. So it's, it's just great to 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 be linked to an organization like that and all the good that they're doing rather than, you know, trying to create our own uh, charities. And, and this gives us an opportunity to help build and grow on something that uh, that is existing and, and to be, uh, you know, connected with the these guys are such an awesome team. Like everyone I've met from his foundation, from uh, and not just just the Ripken Foundation, but all the other uh, sponsor groups uh, from Cleveland Golf to uh, Foot Joy to, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And the, the things they're doing uh, Under Armour um, in Baltimore area as well. So it's just, it's just uh, an awesome thing to be part of, and uh, and certainly the connection with the uh, what they're doing in the communities with police and, and at youth risks is uh, sort of near and dear uh, to me and, and makes it a little bit different and it certainly makes it personal. It, it really is a, like, not just a great organization, but it's a really diverse organization. You know, it, you know, it, it's easy to assume that like, you know, that the Ripken family would center around what they know, which is, which is baseball, but but I mean, the, the 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 programs go deeper than that. Like, I mean, they're they're all over youth development. You know, like they said, they 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 work with uh, they work with the local police forces, and they have other they have other uh, programs as well um, to really kind of develop yeah, stadiums, stadium you know, stadiums for kids, parks for kids, um, you know, flooring systems for gymnasiums to to elevate experiences for for these kids and. In communities that can't afford uh, to have have uh, that don't have the resources to uh, to upgrade or to even offer places for uh, for these kids to go and spend time. It's yeah, I mean it's 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 a massive massive uh, undertaking what they've done, um, what the what they're doing on a, on a on an annual basis. It really is. I, what I was really impressed with when I was learning about this organization was that, you know, you know, it's e it's easy to, you know, it's easy to the, and the Ripken family has always been kind of close knit. You know, if you if you follow baseball at all, mm -hmm. they've always been a close knit family and everything. But it, it extends to off the field as well, because the entire family is 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 entrenched in this organization. You know, um, you know, Cal and, of course, his brother Billy are on the board, um, but mom. they've got. His, yeah, I was gonna say his mom. Uh, she's mm -hmm. the she's the chairwoman, right? She's the chairwoman. Mm -hmm. for, yeah. yeah, and uh, yeah. and 
you know, other other relatives as well. I mean, the Ripken name is all over the people that are involved with this. So, I mean, they, they I mean, they they truly believe in this cause. And it's it's really, you know, it, it kind of goes into it's like, you know, my my wife and I, you know, we give we give money to our to our church that we belong to. And every year we donate specifically towards towards youth. And, you know, so I have a real big passion for youth and youth development. And I think that, you know, when you have an organization like this, that sole focus is on the next generation, you know, it, it, it's, it's really, it's a really terrific opportunity for, you know, for your, for your resources and for your time to really, really um, mind that, you know, not to be overdramatic about it, but mind that, the, the, you know, shape the minds of the future. It really is. It's really awesome. Yeah. It is, and as you said, they're 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 such it's they're such a broad organization and far-reaching, and and all the things they do, it, it's it's, and I'm sure that didn't happen from day one. I'm uh, you know, from my understanding, you know, things have evolved and they've grown into areas of markets and different programs over the years. But um, you know, I had a chance to go to their offices a couple times now in, in Baltimore when I've been up there, and uh, um just an awesome team and, and, uh, everybody is, is open, warm, welcoming and, and, and focused on, on the good of, of what they're doing and creating. So it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's a great, uh, great team, great family, uh, to be part of. And, and, you know, especially with, with our industry cigars, you want to give back as much as you can, but also, you know, give back to, to the, this, this opportunity. I couldn't have planned it. I couldn't have asked for it. And, and, um, I certainly stand behind them and, and all the things that they're doing. So it's, uh, it's cool. It's just one of those things too, that you, you never think you get the opportunity. And I've met a lot of athletes over the years. I've met a lot of uh, celebrities, you know, in my time in Turks and Caicos. And, um, but to meet Cal and golf with him uh, back in September of, of this year, I mean, he's bigger than life, and it was just, just super cool. Like his, that guy is, is just so charismatic. He's so um, driven even today, and uh, you know, the Iron Man certainly is what he is, and uh, he's just, a, just a, just an awesome dude to, to spend some time with. So. The next goal for you, Dean, should be to get him on a kite board. See what that experience is like. There you go. There you go. <laughs> We're gonna work together. Get him on a cigar show, hopefully soon. <laughs> I mean, that'd be. I mean, that would be really. That would be great. I, I would love to hear yeah. from his perspective. Not just. Not. I mean, I'm a baseball guy. Like I, I mentioned, and my audience knows. But I mean, uh, just to just to see what this you know this organization that carries his father's legacy. His father is such an important part of his life. Um, him and Billy. Yeah. Um, and Coach, the entire family. Mentor, yeah. uh, unbelievable, unbelievable family, and it's really great to see them giving back in such a capacity. You know, if 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 my audience feels so inclined, uh, again, I'm later tonight. I'm going to be making a don a very small donation in you know. I'm, I'm donating to every one of these organizations that's brought up on my shows and I'm going to be making a donation in, in Dean's honor tonight. And, uh, I went ahead and placed the link in the, sh in the, in the comments. It'll also be in the show notes later. Uh, please consider donating. Uh, it's a terrific organization. Great for tomorrow's youth, uh, today's youth, tomorrow's generation. And, uh, what a, what a great organization for Nat Seco and Epic Cigars to partner with. Just, just awesome. Terrific. 
Well, Dean, I, I really appreciate you, uh, you know, bringing that to the table tonight. Um, really excited to to bring awareness and 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 hopefully raise a little bit of money as well for a great organization and some great people. Um, you know, so as we kind of kind of hit the backstretch a little bit of tonight's conversation, um, you know, I, I, there are a couple of things that I, I kind of I, I kind of hit on. You know, you know, this has been this has been an incredibly challenging year. You know, tw- you know. We're in 2021 now, and I think a lot of people were secretly hoping that, you know, when the, the the clock turned over from 2020 to 2021, that everything would kind of go back to normal. And it, it and while it's seemingly very hopeful, uh, it's still we still got a long ways ahead in, in a lot of ways, you know. But the uh, the great news that the the basically the turn of 2021 was the uh, was the release of uh, the vaccine, you know, that uh, that's kind of going out and. Uh, and I know that you're you're back on the road. You're going to be back here in Texas here later in the next couple of weeks, and you know you're having that event over at Blue Smoke with Jay and uh, some other great uh, uh, great tobacconists here in the great state of Texas. But uh, um, you know, with the news of the vaccine, I mean, what what are you looking forward to most um, as we kind of have approached this? Uh, hopefully, the beginning of the end. I, I think. You know, one of the things to look for, I mean, you know, thankful certainly for a lot of things, but but I think even tonight, you know, having the opportunity to come on your show and this is this is how and I'm sure, you know, guys like yourself, Coop, uh, you know, people that were way ahead of the game when it comes to, you know, cigar podcast, YouTube, uh, really sharing the 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 industry sharing the the passion uh, that we all have. I I think what I'm looking to forward to a, more is more opportunities to do this and to sort of create that that reach and be able to get out and tell the story more. And and even though COVID sort of forced us to stay home and do this, um, I think that's a positive thing uh, for the industry and and a better way to connect with the mass markets uh, in, in a, you know, a very obviously economical way, but, but also you guys have built a following over the years. And so every time I have an opportunity to kind of jump in on a podcast or an Instagram live or, you know, YouTube, it's, it's powerful. And uh, I don't think people realize how powerful it is. Um, And it's just, you create something that's going to be there forever as well. Um, So Looking forward to that. Obviously, you know, looking forward to, to more travel. Um, but I think, you know, we, we through this time, we've got to learn to work smarter and not necessarily harder. And uh, but nothing replaces also the, you know, a handshake, uh, a conversation in a room over a cigar lounge. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the the. You know, we're in a better place than we were a year ago. I mean, sales are up, I think, uh, across the board. Most most companies can say that um, because of COVID. So um, people are home. They're smoking more cigars. They're enjoying more cigars. Uh, there's obviously been challenges with a lot of our brick and mortars being closed and reopened or 50% capacity. So more than anything, I'm hoping for a lot of those places to get back uh, on track. And uh, But people, I think, are taking steps to to reinvent themselves, to set up their online portals and, and to be able to sell as well, not necessarily to to have to be open or to be at full capacity to, to sort of make ends meet. So, um, you know, just uh, just more of the same, to be honest. I, I've been actually, I've been on the road. Uh, I spent the whole month of October in, in Texas. Um, I've been, you know, Florida's been 
we've been fairly blessed down here and things have been sort of semi-normal. Uh, um, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic and I'm careful, you know, when I'm traveling and be back in Texas this month. So, um, the, the toughest part I hope is over, you know, uh, from March until September, I really didn't do much and, and then got traveling again in October. So, um, looking forward to events, camaraderie, travel, and, uh, and just continue to grow. Yeah, here's hoping. You know, it was it was an interesting. Uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it was interesting. I've heard from several brand owners and uh, manufacturers as well that while well, this 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 was actually a really great year for them. Um, you know, whilst you know production was up, cigars were being sold at a much bigger rate because, like you said, more people are smoking more. But also allowed you, like you said, it also allows brands like you to 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 like you said reinvent yourself. And uh, reinvent yourself without the burden of expense, too. You know, I, you know, the travel is not cheap. Um, you know, and uh, yeah. and to get your, but that's that's what you got to do in order to expand yeah. your brand and grow. You have to travel. You have to get in front of people, like you said. And and so it 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 presented itself a challenge in that regard. You weren't able to shake the hands, like you said. But um, you know, it it allowed you kind of to uh, allows you all as manufacturers and owners to, to re, you know, reallocate, I guess, your resources and, and put mm -hmm. your efforts in a little bit uh, different, different areas and different perspectives. Um, do, do you, I mean, do you feel like that, uh, and because there is some concern, especially like the Dominican where, where your cigars are produced there, they've been a lot more restrictive. Um, you know, openings of factories have been a little bit more restrictive. Capacities have been yeah. lower and things like that. Is there worry? Um, again, you're a smaller brand, um, but it, I think it's still a very serious question for even someone like you. I mean, is there is there a worry that, you know, that in 2021 and even 2022, we could feel the effects of, you know, you know, cigars, you know, cigar production dropping because, you know, they weren't able to to get back to work during this entire year? Well, I mean, we've been fortunate, um, certainly with our factory in Santiago, we're still not at 100% capacity. I think we're at 60 or 70% capacity um, right now. But, um, and and I need to confirm that 100%, but we, we started increasing our production, you know, at the end of 2018 into 19 with the new, the new uh, partnership and acquisition of Epic. And so we're blessed that I probably have more inventory in the U.S. than I've ever had in, in the career of Epic and more backstock being produced from, you know, the beginning of 2019. So we're really in a, in a good place, a uh, place that I've never been with the business as far as production and inventory. And, and so not knowing COVID was coming, we had already sort of taken those steps and, and I'm pretty sure Christoph is in, in the same sort of scenario. Um, so we're, we're, we're in a good place. We're not in any risk of, of running at a product or, uh, having to deal with things like that. So, um, thankfully, um, and I think things are, are getting back on track more, uh, more and more every day. It's really great to hear. Um, you know, I have, I have a couple more questions and then our last curveball question for you, Dean, tonight. But this is the time of night that I always, 
I always thank my guests. You know, this is, uh, you know, Sunday night, regardless of COVID, Sunday night is usually, it's usually family time. It's usually unwind time for a lot of my guests. And for you to take time away uh, to sit down with me tonight um, and have a conversation about Epic Scars, have a conversation about you, um, it really means a lot to me um, personally. And um, I, I really can't thank you enough uh, for the opportunity to sit down and, and, and talk about your life story. And, um, and it's, it's just been, it's been a really, it's been a really great experience. So thank you. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I really appreciate it. Paris is absolutely my pleasure. And I can't thank you enough as well. I mean, for me, it's, and I, you may not realize, and, and, you know, we've had a few conversations, but, um, what you're doing and guys like you and Coop and, and many other in the, in the cigar community that are, you know, creating these, these, podcasts and followings and groups and, and knowledge for, for smokers and customers. This is, this is huge for me as well. And, uh, I'm excited to do more and, uh, we'll see what we can collaborate on in the future as well. But I, uh, it's, it's, it's really appreciated. And, uh, I appreciate you taking the time as well because it's, it's more than a passion because otherwise you wouldn't be doing this. And, uh, so I appreciate you taking your time as well. And uh, there's a lot of guys in this industry, I'm sure, that'd love to be on your show that probably haven't been yet. So uh, thanks for for uh, for offering me the opportunity to kind of get out here and tell my story a little bit and, and share some uh, some ups and <laughs> ups and downs with you. And uh, but there's more ups and downs. Uh, Absolutely. In the future for sure. Well, we're we're gonna get we're gonna get there. You know, we're going to get to to getting more and more guests on. I'm, I'm not stopping anytime soon. So it's it's been an awesome. it, you're, you're a guest I've wanted to have on for a really long time. So the, this has been an incredible opportunity. And I'm really, I'm really excited that I got to share your story with my audience. And because I'm, I'm I'm thoroughly fascinated by it, um, thoroughly in, intrigued by it. I just think it's, I, I, you know, not, again, not to be over too melodramatic about it, but I think it's one of the best kept secrets in the industry. And, and, and before long, it's not going to be a secret much longer because, uh, you know, ep epics go in places and uh, it has been for a long time and it's, it's, it's only going to get bigger and everything. So, so, so to that point, um, you know, the FDA, you know, you know, at the, the close of 2020 uh, released a pretty big decision, you know, they kind of uh, put to not to rest, but for at least put a pause on a pretty big damper that affected probably you more than most just because of the size and capacity that you're at, uh, kind of putting the deeming regulations aside for the time being um, and uh, kind of opening, I wouldn't say the door, but opening the window uh, for more opportunity, more growth. When that decision came down, what what went through your mind as far as the, the future of Epic and, 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 and as far as things like that go? Well, I mean, certainly, certainly a sigh of relief. Um, we've been, you know, I've been working with Frank Herrera, um, you know, for a lot of years uh, as, as our attorney um, with Epic and, and she handles a lot of the, uh, all the NatSeco stuff as well. And um, so we've been doing our best to put things in place uh, as best we can and, and keep ourselves updated with, with, you know, where we need to be and what we need to do. But uh, to have that, that information come down, you know, as of recent is, uh, is a little, I mean, we're not, we're not over the hump yet, but, uh, it certainly, uh, gives us an opportunity to, to breathe a little bit and, uh, and continue to push forward with, you know, cigar rights of, 
of America and all the groups and and big brands that are supporting you know this this challenge um, and and these regulations. So we need to stay on top of it and and do what we can. You know, each and every one of us, from the smokers to to brand owners to distributors, you name it. So it's yeah, it's it's a it's a good feeling. Um, let's see what. 2021 brings us and uh, and beyond absolutely you know with uh 2020 brought the uh you know the cancellation of the pca trade show and uh 2021 is still very much in the air you know at this point you know tpe was postponed uh until about six weeks before uh the date set for pca um, I've always asked, I've been asking my guests this, uh, Dean, do you think uh, TPE or PCA actually happens as scheduled this year? I mean, I, I hope so. Um, we haven't done TPE in the past, but it's something that uh, we're, we're looking at um, that we may do. Um, and obviously the PCA is something we've been doing for a lot of years. Um, but yeah, I think our, our, our retailers need that. I think we need it as, as, as brands, brand owners, and, and manufacturers, just just that face-to-face uh, connection. So um, I hope they do happen. But I guess more than anything, we want people to stay safe and and uh, you know stay healthy because this you know this, this COVID is real. It's uh, you know we've lost hundreds of thousands of people. So um, you know I guess we'll we'll let people that make those decisions. Uh, make them and and we'll we'll deal with the consequences and do do the best we can to to continue to you know keep in touch with with our customers clients and and retailers but uh certainly we uh we we hope we can get back uh to safely you know attending these shows in, in the near future and, and and i hope they do uh i hope we are able to have them this year for sure absolutely you know, Dean, this is the first time in a long time in a, a lot of shows that I've done where I have smoked only one cigar for the entire night. And I am I am savoring this to the everlasting drop. Uh, this Epic 10, uh, I want everyone in my audience to know that they need to go out and get this cigar. This is, um, and I'm a big fan of the Maduro, as I said, uh, that you make. Um, and... I, I just, I'm, I'm blown away by the cigar. I think it's, it's just thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable. I mean, the Cameroon, the way that, that, that it plays off the other tobaccos in this, in this blends, uh, the construction was impeccable. The draw was picture perfect. Um, and the flavor is just amazing. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying the cigar. It's, it's incredible. I appreciate it. Thank you. That means a lot coming for you because, uh, you smoke more than the average, the average bear. No fun <laughs> Indeed. Um, I, I do. I do smoke a lot of cigars and, and uh, I, I, yeah. And, you know, I'm, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of joke sometimes that I think that, you know, AJ so generous, it's kind of half joking, but I think AJ so generous. I think he, some of his best work is some of the blends that he shares with other people. And this is, this is certainly among them. Like this is, this is just terrific. Um, you know, so it kind of goes into, um, we're going to have a little fun with our, our last question, Dean, this is our curveball segment. Uh, and this is a, it's not really a curveball. I kind of throw a grapefruit up there, but I, I think this is a, I think this is a fun question um, because you know, tonight we've we've talked a lot about your 
all pun intended, your epic journey. You know, you've had an incredible story, um, you know, and it's, and Epic Cigars is, 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 is like we said, is, is a way it's just getting started 10 years in. It's almost, this is still the, this is the beginning of the beginning, you know? And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and so I want to focus this question on Dean Parsons, the person. So, so Dean is, is there more Epic behind you or in front of you? Now, not the cigars journey. You've had an epic journey so far. Is there more epic epic journey behind you or in front of you? No, there's, there's more in front. <laughs> there's, there's, uh, there's much more in front. Um, I just funny. I just turned, uh, turned 50 in, in December, uh, uh, of this year, or I guess of, uh, 2020. And, uh, so you kind of, you, you hit that mark and you kind of think, okay, you know, where's life going to take you? Um, but I'd say I'm more excited than, than when I was living in Turks and Caicos or even in the Dominican. And, and it really, there's, there's, we've got a lot on the horizon and, uh, you know, we're going to continue to build the, build the a brand, build the legacy and, and tell the stories and, and, you know, share, share the epic moments. I mean, that was a hashtag that I coined when we started Epic or shortly thereafter. And, and it really is. And I mean, Epic moments isn't necessarily just about Epic cigars. It's about whatever cigar you smoke. I mean, you can use that term. So, um, but it's, uh, it's exciting because we haven't, we really haven't scratched the surface yet. So there's definitely more in front of us, uh, in front of me than, uh, than behind. Although it's, 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 I've, I've, I've had a great story thus far and I'm looking forward to, to uh creating more uh more in the future i can't believe you're 50 that that's unbelievable <laughs> to me i mean I, I i knew from your story that you had played you know you played hockey in the 80s i guess i just never you know the late 80s i guess i just never put two i, I just never did the math i I, just, I can't believe you're 50 i just i i just yeah. thought of you like more like i'm 37 so i just you know i, I figured you were around <laughs> my age it. so um i appreciate it the, the, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm incredibly excited. I'm incredibly excited for the future of Epic Cigars. I'm incredibly excited for you, uh, and what's in front of you. I think this is, uh, this is, like I said, this is just the beginning and, uh, you know, and what a beginning it is, what a beginning it is. I mean, it's, it's something that, uh, we should all really get excited about. Um, you know, some tremendous cigars, some tremendous people have helped you along the way. Some tremendous people are going to be helping you in the future. I mean, it's um, it's only going to get bigger and better. I'm I'm super excited for you. I appreciate it. Appreciate you and, uh, and for all you're doing as well. well. Thank you. That's very humbling, Dean. Well, everyone out there, I, I really appreciate everyone. Uh, all my audience tonight sticking with us always late into the hours. Uh, really appreciate everyone's likes, shares, and comments. Uh, you can check out uh, upcoming guests on our Facebook page, Elos Kumar. Uh, we're really excited. Uh, we're actually going to be uh, skipping next week, um, but I will be bringing on um, Dennis Fang and Trip Waldrop will be uh, joining me for version 6.0 of our pairings. Uh, we've done six six of episodes of our some our some. Uh, I'll just per, we'll just use the term again: epic pairings uh, that we've done. Um, and so we we're we have a little bit of a spin for 6.0. We've been doing this uh, now for five uh, five episodes over the course of the last three years, and. 
or with uh, the sixth episode that we're going to do together, uh, we're, we're putting a little bit of a twist on it. So we're really excited to be sharing that in a couple of weeks. Um, but I've been super excited to sit down with Dean. This was an incredible take for our 156 take. You can always check us out on our YouTube page, which is El Farmar as well. But if you are a, a podcaster, uh, by me, a, a podcast hound like I am, you can download our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure you download, subscribe, and review. If you already are a subscriber, I cordially invite you to unsubscribe, but please don't forget to resubscribe. That really helps my numbers so that I can continue to bring on get great guests like Dean here. Uh, and just don't forget to hit the resubscribe button. That's, that, that's very important. Uh, but it's been a sensational time sitting down with Dean Parsons tonight, and uh, we appreciate all of you. So um, I'm Barry Duplissy, live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studios of Euless, Texas. He's Dean Parsons. This was Take 156. Guess what, everybody? We'll see you next time. Thank you, Barry.